0: So, this is Pack Talk Podcast, episode 82. And I have Mark with me. And Mark is an entrepreneur, extreme endurance athlete, and uh, get after it kind of guy. Right. So, Mark, hey. thanks, for, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, I'm happy bro. to be here. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, starting off, can you tell us a little bit about your extreme endurance? Uh, feats that you've done so far,
1: yeah, so I guess two of them uh, I rode my bike across the country uh two thousand and sixteen uh, that was about forty four days forty four days forty four days really um and then just last summer competed i guess it's not really a competition I, it really is against yourself a competition, but not right. against the other participants right in uh this challenge called twenty nine oh two nine eversting uh, and that basically is Uh, this company rents out a mountain for a weekend Mm -hmm. and you climb it as many times as required to hit 29,029 feet. Uh, this, the mountain that I did was snow basin in Utah and it was 13 laps there. Mm. So essentially you start at 6am on Friday, you climb up, you catch the gondola down and you Mm -hmm. just repeat it 12 more times.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's the height of Mount Everest. that That is once you do the whole thing,
1: it, you end up hiking, Over 30,000 feet at Mm. at that particular mountain, just Mm. because the 29029 is like two-thirds of the way up. But you've got to get to the gondola to get down. Right, right. right. Uh, And it's about 31 miles. I think it's the longest distance of the now five mountains that they have. They do Mm. Whistler, Jackson Hole, Snow Basins. They're somewhere in Vermont. And there's a fifth one that I can't remember right now. But uh, it's a pretty... I mean, you're going to find out who you are on yeah. that challenge for sure.
0: I was about to say mental mental toughness comes into comes to mind with that uh, type of thing.
1: Yeah, I got a buddy who's actually he lives across the street. He's going to do it this year, and I oh, nice. I pinged him. I'm like, like "What's your plan?" And he yeah. was, he's like, "Oh, I'm in the gym and I'm doing this." And I'm like, okay. "No, like, what's the mental plan?" Right, <laughs> right. You know, what I did was 90 days out, I stopped drinking and I just set a few like not non-negotiables because mm. when you get on the mountain. Th- the only negotiable is whether you're going to quit or not. Right. Right? I mean, right. that's really the only decision you have to make over 36 hours, which is yep. the, the amount of time they give you to complete it.
0: How long did it take you to do
1: it? 30 hours and like six minutes or did something. Did you sleep at all or you just I go? I did. On. You did. Um, so I, 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 you know, when you're looking at it, you're looking at 13 laps, you're thinking, you know, how how do I want to break this down? Because you, you start Friday at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. and you, there is no stopping. I mean, you can go all the way to Saturday at 6 p.m. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to by midnight on the first day to get at least nine laps. If I could get a tenth, that would be great. And I Mm. finished my tenth at twelve o five. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I've got I've got some time here. So I went and took a shower. As I was coming out of the shower, like I finished at twelve. No, I'm sorry, it's twelve thirty five. Uh, I came down. I finished at the gondola at one a.m. and I passed the guy who finished first. Like he was already done. He was done. Seventy three years old. Holy smokes, bro! I mean. Beast. When you watch this man go up this mountain, it was like he was uphill cross country skiing. It was that what? smooth. I mean it holy cow. And the I passed one person, she was got her hands behind her back, listened to music, no poles, like most people are using hiking poles. Oh yeah. Just cruising up the mountain. And I'm like, hey, everybody wears a name tag. That uh-huh. way everybody is you know each other. So yeah. I can be like, Hey Chad, how's it going? Yeah. And you'd be like, Hey Mark, everything's great. Yeah. And we may talk for one second the entire weekend, but at least we knew each other's names. Right chances are you'll probably see that person again. Yeah. And then the conversation gets a little longer, you know, yeah. and it's a really cool way to build things up. Yeah. Her name was Jazzy. And I was like, Hey, what lap are you on? She was too ahead of me. What? And then I come up on this, this guy <laughs> passes me and I'm like, Hey, have you seen this Jazzy lady? Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's my wife. What? And I'm like, Holy cow, bro. dude! I was like, "How is she two laps ahead of me?" And he goes, "She's two laps ahead of me, and I brought her out here. She didn't even train for it." <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" She? He's like, "She just went into a different mode." Yeah, and it was funny. The people that you would kind of look on the mountain and be like, "Oh, I can finish before them. I'll finish before them." Yeah. No, you know, it's just yeah. it's just a different training too, right? Yeah. I'm coming from sea level, and my only training was box steps. Mm. You know, some people lived in Utah, and mm. this is their home mountain, so. Yeah it's a Saturday walk for them. Yeah. You know, if they're doing yeah. it for 13 weeks in a row leading up to that, it's no big deal after yeah. that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I did 10 the first night, got out of the shower, fell asleep. I think I was actually wearing a whoop at the time. Mm. Uh, it said I fell asleep for maybe two hours and 25 minutes. I was mm. basically back up at four forty five or 5 AM got really? breakfast. And I think my first lap started at 7 AM. Mm. Uh, and then I finished at 1230. So I had three more to do the next mm. day. And I actually think at Snow Basin, that's probably the way to go. Whistler is eight laps. So that would be a different. You probably want to get six knocked out and only two the last day. Yeah. Because it was about two hours, two hours and 10 minutes per round trip, Mm. including the gondola, right? Mm. Because you got to include that in the lap because you're on that for like 14 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. And at 13. 14 times 13 you start adding up a lot yeah. of time oh yeah you know that'll eat up part of your 36 hours
0: it's kind of good rest though right just kind of hanging out if you as, can yeah
1: i actually <laughs> i never put the i was gonna do a youtube video for it oh yeah and the third lap i took the gopro off i really? mean i was already lap three at ten thirty in the morning i was like wiped <sighs> Dang. the first day yeah you know and i kind of blacked out laps four and five really uh I remember the coach being like, Hey man, are you all right? This is the top of the mountain. And I'm like, mm. and I'm like trying to calculate what he's saying to me. And yeah. he can tell like, you're struggling. I'm not right. And yeah. to be honest with you, that's probably the exact same time my roommate got pulled. Mm. And it's probably a lot of time that most people got pulled because I mean, you were, we were talking about this off audio earlier about yeah. how do you nutritionally feed your body to keep up with what you're burning? Yeah. Cause you're not doing this on a regular basis. Right. <clears throat> I put in a hundred thousand steps over those thirty hours, which you know we try to hit ten thousand on a really hard day, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was a hundred thousand in thirty hours. But when you think about that, it's like how do you how do you replenish what you're burning? Right. And that's what was happening to these guys. They were getting so depleted, they were, yeah, spinning out of control. Yeah. Um, and I. What stopped. were you
0: doing? Do you remember? What you were. Uh, I, what you I, were trying to do.
1: Uh, I knew that I was not eating. Mm. It was not really a choice at that point. It was mm-hmm. my body was not accepting anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, to try to eat just a simple banana, you would end up spitting it out. Mm. Your taste buds almost go to zero. Your right. appetite goes to zero. Right. Um, I would try to use the gondolas to eat. And I remember, like, I'd get off the gondolas and I'd still have the three or four packs of food that I mm-hmm. gra- grabbed at the top. Oh yeah. One of the great things that twenty nine oh two nine does is you don't have to think about a thing if you're going to do this. Yeah. They have everything you need. From the bed you're going to sleep in to the, every single bite of food you're going to eat, everything you're going to drink, Nice. they have a full-on uh, rehabilitation room, which has got you know those like things you put over your legs mm. to you know decompress them or yep. you know, compression sleeves, or whatever it is, and yep. they have massage therapists and they have physical trainers. Dang, I never stepped foot in there. Yeah, because every single person <laughs> I saw sitting in that room fell asleep. Mm. And I was like, that's the trap. Like, yeah. I know that I could use it, but I'll yeah. use it at the end, which I didn't either. I just yeah. left. When I finished at 1230, I was like, like I'm going I need home. a burger somewhere, man. Like, I'm dying here. Um, yeah, so I finished at uh, 1230. And, you know, there's, a, there's, it, I think the great thing about 29029 029 is it's just a, it, it kind of, It makes you go to the deepest part of your body, like mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. It's going to make you really dig to the bottom of the well. And I don't know. I don't feel like we really do that enough in our daily lives. Yeah. And it's, I think that's why it's such a powerful event. Mm -hmm. I mean, my cousin went out there with me and he's, Mm -hmm. he's not an individual who wants to do any sort of endurance stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he goes, I didn't expect this to be so emotional. Mm -hmm. And he's like watching just the, these people compete. He's like, yeah. When you see somebody go literally digging in the bottom of their well, you can't help but be emotional watching it. Right. They've actually got a great, a really great podcast that I listened to this week on the dog walk. Just, oh, and it right. just tells people stories. Why are they there, right? Oh, like, yeah. some people beat cancer. Some people mm. lost a child. You know, some yeah. people are 200 pounds overweight in this nine-month-long training. Mm-hmm. This is the pinnacle of their training. Yeah. And they may only do four laps. But nine months ago, they couldn't even get out of their car.
0: Right. You know, right, and it's
1: like crazy. to hear yeah. these stories. It, but the real cool thing too about it is, it, you know, tying in this podcast mm-hmm. is it's very uh, leadership and business owner driven. Mm-hmm. You know, people who have done very well in their careers. Like you could be riding on the gondola with the CEO of REI, mm. right? I mean, yeah. it's just people who are in the outdoor field, right? It's not cheap. I mean, right. so you're going to have to pony up a little bit of money, but right. networking there, I mean, every. <laughs> Every person I talk to, I'm like, you do what? Yeah. Like your business does what? Yeah. Oh, only like 500 million a year. Yeah. Cool, <laughs> <That's> man. <insane>. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm missing a bunch of zeros on my sales. Um, but it's, it was like, I, I, I recommend it to anybody. There's actually a guy named Jesse Eichler or Itzler. hmm He's Sarah Blakely's husband. She started Spanx, which is the mm. undergarments for women, billion okay. dollar company. Yeah. He's also done Marquee Jets, which was NetJets competition. Mm. He wrote the "Go New York Go" song for the New York Knicks. Like Holy he cow. was a DJ back in the day, and he, he's yeah. like, he, but he's a massive entrepreneur. Actually, owns part of the Atlanta Hawks right now. Okay, he's one of the founders of twenty nine oh two nine. Nice, and he does. He just rode his bike across the country this three weeks ago, mm. fourteen days.
0: Fourteen days. That must it, be nonstop. It dude. was nonstop. They
1: did. What? It as, they did it as a team, and basically, what you had to do as an individual was cover. Like 140 miles a day. Holy cow! But the 14 of you had to cover like 350. Oh, Okay, I see. Right, what you're so you kind of took yeah. shifts, and they yeah. they let it be known this is a team ride, right? And right. they did it for charity to raise bikes for kids. Like they're like, well, we yeah. want to give away 5,000 bikes or something. Yeah, yeah. Still,
0: that's freaking intense, bro.
1: It's Isn't intense. Yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, it's uh, it's it's certainly a challenge worth doing if yeah. if if you're like if you're if you're just kind of in your life <laughs> thinking, man, I really just need to get my shit flipped. Yeah, that will do it. I mean, it will do it.
0: Well, um, what about your cross country uh, ride? What was that like? Where'd you start at? Where'd you end up at?
1: We started in a town called Manchester by the Sea, which is just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Mm. Uh, typically, you go west to east on these rides. To okay, the trade winds. Mm. Uh, my, the the guy, I got a phone call. I was sitting on that couch over there. I got a phone yeah. call mm, seven years ago, and my buddy who we had. Always talked about when I lived in Boulder, Colorado, he's like, yeah. we're going to bike cross country one day. Yeah. But it was always after like three or four beers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he ended up taking a job for Sam Adams and Sam Adams gave him a six week, uh, sabbatical mm. and he called me. He's like, we got six weeks to knock this out. Can we do it? He goes, we'll yeah. finish Labor Day weekend. That'll give us two extra days so we can go 44 <laughs> days. Can we do it? And I'm like, I hung up the phone and I looked at Jess and I said, she's like, what's up? I'm like, I've got the opportunity to go bike across country. Mm. It leaves nine months from right now. Yeah, she's like, "Did did you say yes?" And I was like, "Well, I needed to like get permission first. I mean, (laughs) leaving home for forty-four days is is a lot. You know, there's there's a lot of responsibility to leave on one person for that." Yeah, and she was like, "I don't understand why you're not going." Mm. So, yep, started there, July twentieth, flew up there, the twenty-first, we left, and uh, the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, we finished in Astoria, Oregon, (laughs) which is about. 110 miles from portland on yeah. the coast uh, yeah. i'd never been out there i didn't realize portland was so far inland it's almost like columbia to charleston mm-hmm. right like i got you it's yeah. uh, about 100 110 miles and yeah we finished on the beach out there and it was what was that ride like oh man pretty boring i guess <laughs> like you know was it
0: just you guys or was there was a car true. with you that was like important
1: no. Just we were you. self-supported. Yeah. Uh, it was three of us started, two of us finished. That was planned. He did not leave on his own. He's actually probably the strongest athlete of all of us. Oh, really? And actually joined at the last minute. Anyways, he's like, I'm. He goes, I'll go to Minneapolis and I'm supposed to meet my mom. I plan to like do something like a vacation with her this summer. Yeah. So I mean, he actually ended up riding to Fargo, I think, with us, and then okay, flying off and yeah, uh, he uh, he's an Olympic ski coach though. Oh, right? really? And, like he had a yeah. 14 speed instead of a 21 speed. <laughs> he was just going up these mountains like. <laughs> He would have to leave us behind because his fourteen speed couldn't drop low enough down mm. to stay the same speed, right? Oh dang! And he would just wait at the top. But yeah. those first uh, three days, <laughs> Dude, I have never felt so much pain in my life.
0: Yeah, how old was y'all's like schedule? Were you riding like a certain amount of hours during the day, sleeping at night? Mm-hmm. Were you Cam- camping to camping. sleep? You were camping the whole time.
1: I think we over the forty four days. I think we spent seven nights maybe in a hotel. Yeah. Uh, definitely night two, because I started shaking so bad from mm. just like exertion. I was standing in a grocery store and I was like, dang, I was shaking. And my yeah. buddy's like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I just need to like warm up. And yeah, I mean, and it's like 80 degrees outside. Yeah, I just walked into a, the refrigerated oh, yeah. grocery store and I start shaking. Yeah, I was like, let's just, we knew the last 10 miles of that second day was all uphill. I'm like, mm. let's just, there's a hotel right there. Yeah, I have an Amex. Like yeah. we're going to stay there tonight and we're yeah. just going to get up 30 minutes earlier. Yeah. And. Yeah. is what we did and then then when we hit major cities like Buffalo and Chicago and Cleveland and then you know Minneapolis we would grab a hotel that way we yeah. could like wash everything yeah
0: Everything's on your bike, so everything. So, so you're biking yourself and all your equipment.
1: Everything, actually, the bike's out in the backyard. Oh, is it really? I, yeah, it's okay. been sitting out there <laughs> rusting since <laughs> I, It came back and I never even <laughs> clipped the brakes back in. I haven't ridden it since. Really? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean you had it, enough of it. <laughs> enough. It was a 19. I found it. It was a barn find in Tennessee on eBay. It was a yeah. 1984 uh, Trek 520, which are like back in the 80s. They were built for touring, mm. so they're they're like heavy bikes as it is. Yeah. We actually passed in Idaho a Trek touring. It was sponsored by Trek Mm. uh, going the other way. Mm. And they were like, hey, can we take some photos and send them back to headquarters? And they're like, but can we feel the weight of those bikes? Yeah. I mean, you could pick their bike up with one finger. Right. And they're having to use two uh, hands. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) with the packs, it was like 85 pounds. Dude.
0: I mean, that takes a toll, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, your legs are burning. Your uh, hip flexors are burning, right? Oh. Everything's burning. Everything. (laughs) Yeah. Because also you're like using your lats and your uh, shoulders and stuff to stabilize the whole time.
1: I trained on an Earth Cruiser.
0: Did you really? And not
1: a bike. Yeah. Not a. This bike wasn't even ready until like five days before, and good I essentially lord. just had them box it up, and they just sh- trek. There's a Trek store on 61, mm. and they just shipped it straight to Massachusetts. And the chain broke on the way down the driveway. Good as, lord! You know, on the first day, <laughs> it exploded, and I was like, "Good start." This is a good. Break out the spare. Uh, what it was is. Um, Essentially, chain dimensions back in the 80s mm. are slightly different than what they are today. Mm. So when they put the new chain on, it didn't match the uh, the, the spindles, I guess, or whatever it would be. Yeah. And it just, yeah. just popped it. Not crazy. fun. It took me four days to figure out what was going on. And basically, a bike shop near yeah. Buffalo was like, I see the problem. So yeah. I would just kept breaking chains. Oh, yeah. I mean, they kept slipping. The chain just kept slipping. It, would, it wouldn't bust, but Dang. it would slip out of gear. But when you're climbing the mountain, yeah. like, it just makes it fall cool. off. Right, yeah. uh, right. You're getting pissed. So he <laughs> ended up swapping out my back wheel with a different set of, you know, spindles back there. I oh, okay. can't remember the names of that stuff anymore, but yeah, yeah. worked like butter after that. Yeah. I spent I spent 400 buying that bike, I spent 1500 getting it ready. <laughs> I should have just bought a <laughs> brand new one. But <laughs> well,
0: where were you at in your business at that point?
1: Ooh, that's a very good question. We were about 3 years into Event Kitchens, which is my main source of income these days. Yeah. Uh, so that business just turned 10 years old, but looking back in year 3, I wouldn't even get a phone call July mm. or August. And to be honest with you, August this year, I have zero dollars on the books right now. Really, I may have one event yeah. that we just booked, but yeah. you know, we work. Our business works outside, mm-hmm. and it just gets so hot in Charleston to do an out, mm. outdoor wedding. Yeah, yeah. That we, I mean, you talk to caterers. Same thing happens to them. Like yeah. they just don't get phone calls. Yeah, they may get That's them on crazy. the indoor venues. Right, right. But and at the private homes, but we're not seeing them at. Uh, I start doing a lot more festival stuff during the summer. Like we're going. To, actually, a lady just called just a minute ago. but going up to. Country Music Fest in Myrtle Beach. Okay, um, they do it right there on the boardwalk at the beach. Yeah, oh yeah,
0: um, that's, a big, that's a big, concert. festival. Yeah, it's
1: it's gotten like massive. Yeah, massive, massive. Yeah. First year I did it, it was just a small concert, and now it's like it's crazy. But so yeah. we we actually provide all the equipment for the caterer that provides all the VIP meals. Mm. So if you buy a VIP ticket, mm. there's you know a tent that you can go under the stage. Right, and they and they also cook for all of the staff. I mean, there's like mm. hundreds of people out there building right. this thing out
0: so the caterers are there but you're 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 providing the equipment for the caterers
1: to use. That's correct. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they'll build out a pretty big kitchen. I mean, they're yeah. taking this this year they're taking four ovens, three or four fryers and five hot boxes. I mean, that's a lot of equipment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mean, most of our weddings are usually an oven yeah so to take you know 12 yeah. times that
0: that's a lot dude <clears throat> how'd, the, how'd you even come up with your business plan your business idea
1: you know i'd say my brother did you know uh, years ago jess and i were in colorado we moved back because my brother started a bar downtown charleston called mm. squeeze bar and we had just friends who were wedding planners who would come into the bar and they're like hey can we just get you guys to do this on site yeah and then a company called squeeze on site was born the bar was called squeeze mm. and we had squeeze on site we started working weddings yeah and then generally at a wedding, especially in Charleston, because everything's outdoors at a historic venue, mm-hmm. they tend to put all the staff or the back of the house in a tent behind the building, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you're with the caterers, you're with the wait staff, you're with the bartenders, you're with all the guys working the event. And yeah. my brother just heard a lot of people complaining about the quality of equipment that they were using. And it was pretty obvious to the eye test that yeah. this was pretty beat up stuff. <laughs>
0: Where was the equipment coming from at that time? Just a random company? Uh, it was something? a company
1: here in town that's a retail business. they okay. since shut down the rental side and... They're a, they're a big player in the retail game here, mm. so much so that they really didn't need, even need to be in the rental game. Mm. One of their employees started a rental company. Oh, really? They were seeing how much it was taking him away from them, mm. and they're like, why don't we just buy you and you stay on and run it? Mm. Right? We'll just hire somebody to replace your role. Right. You just run this. Right. So he actually had a pretty sweet gig. He sold yeah. his business to his company he was working for <laughs> and then stayed on and ran the business that he had. <laughs> um, and then, man, it must have been four years ago, I got a phone call at the first of the year, and somebody said, hey, I need you to like bring some equipment here immediately. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? He goes, the other company, they're just not doing rentals anymore. They stopped January 1, and they just aren't fulfilling these orders. <laughs> Holy cow. So I called those guys, because I worked with them. We were kind of like... I always kind of figured when I got in, into this business that I never really wanted competitors that were my enemies, mm-hmm. especially when there's only two of us. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, right. there's going to be a weekend that I overbook, and I'm going to need them to bail me out, Right. and vice versa. Right. So I always kept a very good relationship with them so I called them and I said hey guys listen like I can bail you guys out on like most of these things but yeah. I'm gonna need you to honor like these two weekends yeah. and they did I, actually they like four months later they went back into the rental game basically because I just couldn't, oh, you couldn't handle it up? yeah, and because and, the bride and the grooms were like man I'm I'm like, I just don't have the inventory, man. Right, I'd be happy right. to do it. I'd, yeah. And they actually, they honored it, which I, I think they're a great business. I always have thought. I, actually, it's Berlin's rental supply. I mean, okay. uh, on, Rivers, on Rivers Avenue. Yeah. Uh, most local restaurants in town go to those guys. I mean, because really? they're great. I mean, yeah. and Ed they're Berlin, still in business now. Absolutely. Oh, they they've they been are, in there since yeah. like the early 80s and just killing it. I mean, yeah. they're the go-to guys. Yeah. But they work nine to five on Monday through Friday. And my business is basically starts at 5 p.m. Friday and goes yeah. through Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. They were having to pull guys out of the retail division to like work weekends, and mm. you know then you're paying overtime, and it's mm. just it just hey, wasn't their business model, right, right, right? right? I mean, and what I noticed right away when they were still in business, I recognized that wasn't their business model. So I'm like, my business model has to be mm. that if we have equipment out, we are working, mm-hmm. right? So it's mm-hmm. like, sure, there's sometimes we have one oven on a Tuesday night. You're like, I can probably go play my soccer game and be right, right, right? You know, but I'm we are on call. Uh, if you yeah. have equipment out. Whereas those guys, if you called them, they'd be like, we don't really have anybody to send you. Mm. And that's where, I think when their service started falling mm. and we were providing that service, we yeah. just kind of started moving customers over. And, yeah. You know, I mean, so, I still call Berlins and I still buy stuff from them and they're, they're yeah. a great company. I'm not yeah. disparaging them by any right. of these comments. Right. I think they just realized our business is over here. Yeah. You know, and it, it was like the water faucet turned on when that happened. Yeah. And so now I can't, I mean, I I spent actually all of August last year out of town. and mm. we To go back to how my business was on the bike trip, Yeah, this August, like one event. I mean, I can hire somebody to run that oven. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Um, well, you started because uh, you saw a need, or you and your brother saw a need. Is that sure. right? And
1: he then- definitely saw it. And he yeah. had a plate full of restaurants and bars he was trying to open. And he was like, man, I think we should. And actually, we were partners in the beginning. Yeah. And then a couple years ago, we, we ended up separating just because both of our lives just he he's got four right. restaurants. I mean, like he, he that's a lot. He that's a lot. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's too and much. Same. Yeah. And hospitality management companies and all this other stuff. And yeah, he's dealing in like the twenty million dollars a year type of stuff. You yeah, know? and yeah. I'm definitely not. <laughs> I, I don't want that. I don't yeah. want 150 employees. You know, and right, you'd have to deal with all that. That just yeah. sounds like a nightmare. He saw the need. He said, "If you're not trying to bartend anymore, because I was still bartending until two in the morning." And mm. he's like. Uh, you should take a look at it. So mm. I, I bought one oven, one range and a fryer and just started. Mm. If you, I Basically, it was like this gate I had to was had to be allowed into because yeah. the, ne- the, the network of vendors were so tight. Mm. I basically just called everybody and said, hey, listen, there's going to be a time where nobody has what you need. Yeah. Just call me. Yeah. And then eventually, I started telling people, hey, man, I've been bailing you out. Yeah. Why don't you start calling me up front? Mm. Like, let's not make this a bailout anymore because yeah. now I'm just kind of feeling used. Yeah. You know? And yeah, uh, But that was after a while. I mean, I didn't, you know, I realized my role in the, and then all of a sudden we just started taking business. But I mean, when you have a brand new shiny piece of equipment, first one that was taken out of a restaurant and flipped into a rental division. Right. Right. There's a difference. Absolutely. And uh, actually some of my best advertisements was when I was on site with, there's another, there's another company in town that rents ovens too. But Mm. it was when I was ever on site with other companies. Mm-hmm. I was. You can see the difference. Oh, the yeah. chefs were begging for my business card when I leave. <laughs> it was. I'd actually leave yeah. them in in my equipment. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I knew they. That's leave a good them. way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't leave them in the other ones. Yeah. You know?
0: So we're. Whenever you were transitioning over to running events kitchen or event kitchen, was it uh, like you were doing bartending and the kitchen to try and keep yourself afloat? You know, because a lot of people when they're starting up a business, it's they're trying to balance out starting the business, which is making no income, trying to get the name out there. Sure. And keeping all their bills paid and living and that oh, kind of stuff, you know? For
1: years. I actually had a, another company as well that I sold uh, maybe three years ago. Yeah. It was a candle company that I was also... That I started after Event Kitchens. Really? So I, I had I was bartending Event Kitchens. I should say this. Uh, about two weeks after I started Event Kitchens, and I mean like putting the credit cards down to buy the equipment, yeah. the bar we had downtown burned down. What? Right? Oh my so gosh, it was, dude. It what? was a nightmare. I was there that night. It was, it was a pretty pretty powerful moment i think in mm. everybody's lives because mm. i mean when you when everything is taken away from you in that moment right it's pretty scary and i had maxed out my savings account to start this and a credit card and yeah. now i've got no job but a, some luckily in the food and bev world friends were like hey come bartend over here so mm. i think for 3 at least the first three years, I was bartending a pretty full schedule, maybe four nights a week. Yeah. And then I would run equipment on the weekends. So I would yeah. run like the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday shift, which is a great shift in the restaurant world because you're not nearly as busy. Mm. You know, it's not, and yeah. usually you're out by 9 30, 10. Right. Making candles in between, running equipment on the weekend.
0: So how'd you end up in the candle business too?
1: Um, <clears throat> I was doing a half marathon in Austin, Texas. <laughs> and I walked into this this store called Stag, mm-hmm. and there's a company called Malin and Gates, G-O-E-T-Z, mm-hmm. a German company, and they make soaps and mm-hmm. all this stuff. They're actually, Delta picked them up for a while. They were the soaps in Delta, Oh really? in Delta planes. Holy cow. I picked up a candle and it was $85. Good Lord. And it was like six ounces. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm smart enough to realize <laughs> that I'm looking at like $7 worth of stuff, right? <laughs> I'm like 85 yeah. bucks. Yeah. On the plane ride home, I came up with a company name called meeting and market. And that, you know, for those mm-hmm. not from Charleston, that's basically meeting street and market streets are our, our, uh historic market in downtown Charleston. Mm-hmm. Came up with that name, uh, came home, did some labels and I just started practicing how to make candles. I looked on YouTube, like there's a company called CandleScience.com that'll show you how to make a candle. <laughs> I basically bought their starter kit, yeah. um, made them in the kitchen probably for the first six to eight months. And I just gave them away. I just really? was like, and was, then one day I called up a farmer's market and I was like, Here's what I got. Yeah. Can I come sell on Saturday? And I yeah. sold out the first weekend and I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, good profit. It was a quick $400 in my pocket. Yeah. And I was like, all right, man, like maybe this, there's something here. Yeah. You know, and Event Kitchens just wasn't, I think we did $13,000 our first year in Event Kitchens. Mm. It just wasn't bringing right. in the sales. We just right. didn't, didn't have enough equipment to create the volume right. of sales. Right. And we just weren't really known. And to be honest with you, I didn't. I still have not spent a dollar in advertising on that company. It was nice. all just word of mouth and me, yeah. work, me being in the field, working mm-hmm. and shaking hands and kissing babies. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think the third year we maybe did forty grand. I mean, mm-hmm. so I needed the money. And those yeah. sa- here's the cra- crazy thing about those Saturdays. I would get up at like six thirty in the morning. Yeah. Drop equipment to where it ever needed to be dropped. The first mm-hmm. couple of events. Go back, work the farmers market till one o'clock. <laughs> Jess sometimes will have to come bail me out at eleven. Leave with the box truck, go drop more events. Come back by one o'clock to pack up the the farmers market. Holy go cow. back and drop the last of uh, equipment for those Saturday events. Yeah, and it was Sunday. A you're picking it all up. Yeah, or yeah, sa- the, or late Saturday or Monday, late Saturday, depending on the venue. I yeah. try to it, in the beginning, all the planners are like, you have to be here at eleven thirty on tonight. Yeah, and I'm oh, like, okay. well, I have seven events tonight. I can't be everywhere at eleven thirty. Right. So then I started having a little control over next day pickups and, mm. and, you know, controlling that narrative, which I learned in this business, like too many people told me how to run my business. Mm-hmm. And when I started putting my foot down and saying, no, our business is going to do it this way mm-hmm. and you need to adapt to us, not in an asshole way, right. but in, if you want us to give you the most efficient and effective service, this is the way it has to happen. Right. And then once we prove that, it, it hasn't been a question, but yeah. For years, I'd be out till 3 in the morning picking up equipment. Finally, one person at a venue was like, why are you here at 2 in the morning? I'm yeah. like, you guys made me pick it up. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't get over here. I was in Mount Pleasant all night. Yeah. And she was like, we're not doing this again. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me that gate code. Yeah. <laughs> Which I... I have gate codes to every single plantation oh, nice. in this city. Nice. Yes, so you they're, got, you they're got locked the away up. for all you folks yeah. out there. I've been on. I've seen some really cool sites, man. Seeing some sunrises over the pastures at Boone Hall Plantation at mm. six in the morning, like yeah. There's a fog that sits over the horses. I mean, mm. and it like
0: that's super cool. It's incredible, yeah. man. So what happened with the candles? You were doing. How long were you doing that for?
1: Did it for about four years? Um, did a lot of farmers market stuff. What I really started getting into towards the end uh, was I started doing a lot of like wedding favors. Mm. So. Oh. I would advertise on Etsy like buy a hundred candles and essentially the way I would sell it was let your guests remember your wedding day every time they light it. Oh, nice. Right. So then they'd be like, oh yeah, my guests will love it. Right. (laughs) And I would sell them eight bucks a pop. You'd sell a thousand dollars for the candles or something, you know, they were only five ounces, you know, but it would say it would have the, I made these custom logos that looked really, really, really nice. It would just Mm. be like, thank you for celebrating our day, Mm. you know, and have the date on it and their name or something like that.
0: Yeah. Dang, that's super cool.
1: That was pretty cool, man. Yeah. When I started getting into that, but that coincided with the other company, mm. my competition in Event Kitchens, them leaving. And about three men, three months after them leaving and not being my competitor, mm-hmm. I just couldn't make candles anymore. Right, you didn't have time. And right? I was working the Charleston markets, and I had a, a girl and her husband work in the Columbia market called mm. Soda City Farmer's Market, which if you've never been to that, it's pretty bad. Yeah,
0: I've been looking at it. I want to go up there and visit It's amazing. It. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's probably Is it one bigger the, than the Charleston one, you think? Oh, yeah. It's so it's they bigger. build
1: it on Main Street off the state capitol and right. they'll run like four or five city blocks. Holy cow! Oh, it's it's, it's it, it was the far, be, it was by far the best farmer's market that I participated in. Yeah, mainly because I think Charleston's saturated. Mm. Mount Pleasant's got one, Bali's right. got one, right. James Allen's, Island, John's, Island, you know, like right. everybody's got
0: one. Yeah, well, the best ones around here that I'm familiar with are Somerville. Yep, farmer's market, that one's huge.
1: Because, but there's no real competition around it, right? Right.
0: And then you got Mount Pleasant Farmer's Market, which is on Tuesday evenings, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Charleston one on Saturdays is good. Those are mm-hmm. like the main three for me. I've been to all of them. I've tried them all out. Those are just the main three. Yeah. You know.
1: John's on his way out there. It's kind of yeah. more for like Kiwa and those folks out there. Yeah. The downtown was very tough to get into as a vendor. Extremely tough.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. You got to know the right people.
1: You just, you just have to have a product that isn't like... Mm you know candles can be pretty popular Right. I, and i i kind of came of age in the candle game after rewind which is the company here in town that does yep. the recycled bottles yep they were doing like 30 million a year when i got in the game good lord it's crazy with them. It. it's crazy right <laughs> i remember yeah. i went to him and i was like hey can you guys do a run for me and they're yeah. like we have to do a minimum 5000 and i was like, holy cow. i've never made 5000 yet <laughs> i'm like what am i going where am i going to put them
0: yeah Um, for the people up in Columbia, you would just run candles up, I drive them up like
1: maybe once every three weeks. Yeah. And on one of those trips, she goes, Hey, uh, what's, what's going on here? Mm. She's like, I can see the inventory drop in. Like, Mm. I'm like, I can't keep up. Mm. And I looked at her and I go, do you want to buy it? Mm. She's like, absolutely. And I was like, okay, yeah, let me go home. And like, I I was like, to be honest with you, I just want to liquidate it. Like, and to be honest with you, I didn't, that was a lesson that I learned. Anybody out there running a side hustle? Yeah. Keep your books right, yeah, because you cannot sell that thing without good books. Yeah, you know, and what
0: was that process like?
1: Uh, you know, I basically just value. I basically tried to value my business, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't really get a number that even made sense for them to purchase because I couldn't prove it. Mm -hmm. You know, I know it was more valuable than what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I basically went in and said, "What do I have in inventory here?" Mm -hmm. You know what. Would I price that out plus a little cushion and mm-hmm. I, I just got rid of it. But I mean, yeah, I gotta be honest with you, man. She came down for a day and we trained. I drove everything up in my box truck the next day and I haven't thought about it since. Yeah. It yeah. was the only thing is thinking about keeping your book straight. You know, I took in so much cash that I just took in a lot of cash, right.
0: man. Right. You know, and right. Uh, it's a lot. It keeping was, up with it. Accounting.
1: Yeah. You know, accounting. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so
0: you sold that to her, She's right? been
1: running it. She was, it. She was a, a librarian in Lexington County. Oh, really? She would do a lot of like the summer programs, and yeah. she called me after the first Saturday that she owned it. Yeah. She was like, this business just made more money in four hours than I do all month. Holy cow, bro. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> like a month later, yeah. she quit the library, never gone back. Damn, that's and awesome. She, she actually... She didn't do it the way that I would do it. Yeah. But I actually think she's done it the way it needed to be done. Mm. She got rid of the website, which Mm. I didn't really use, never sold anything off of it. Yeah. She does everything through social media. Yeah. I mean, she just built a really good following. And then she'll do these like, hey guys, I'm getting rid of these last six sets of glassware, Mm. never doing it again. Mm. And then 10 minutes later, Mm. it's all sold. She's like, pick it up at the market. Yeah. She does so many pre sales, and I never did a single one. It just, it like, it, that, but that's what it needed. You know, yeah. I'm almost sometimes curious if it needed a partner, you yeah. know, not just, but.
0: Well, here's my thought on it is, uh, you know, the way I'm thinking about business is, is there a way to get things more automated? So when I hear about a candle business, I'm like, how can I automate the candles? So that and when I know you asked the uh, red wine company, hey, can you guys run something mm-hmm. for me? They're like, hey, it's 5,000, whatever. I mean, it depends on what's going on. But is there a way to somehow get that automated so that you as the business owner is kind of out of the main line you're you're in charge of the business you're running the business but maybe you're managing different facets of it you know i'm saying to try and give yourself more time sure you know i'm sure i'm sure you thought about that you know but yeah that's tough
1: that's probably my biggest weakness as a business owner is hiring out i Mm. mean and actually for event kitchens uh my guy left i had a part-time guy who worked deliveries with me Mm. He used to work in the warehouse cleaning stuff, but he was so bad. I just was like, "Really? Hey, man, (laughs) you should probably just not." Yeah, this just isn't. Yeah, I just would look at equipment and be like, "I don't know how to tell you that this is bad." After Mm. I've told you that this is bad, right? It's pretty obvious. Like we can both see (laughs) this, and you just are choosing not to clean it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I was like, "You're just better in the field." Is kind of how I presented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He left me about two months ago, and I've been running the business solo. I mean, (sighs) and. Last year was a record year, and we're on pace to beat that this year. Yeah, I talk about automation. I had to automate this business. I yeah. had to. I had to get it.
0: What's your automation now? You got people scheduling online or something like that, or no, that
1: I, I don't. What I do is I actually get all my caterers. I have them on a biannual, mm. um, basically, reservation sheet. Mm. So. We have two seasons, spring. We're actually kind of coming out of spring right now. Mm -hmm. The music festival this weekend is kind of the, I always said July 4th was kind of the end of the season, but Mm. looking at it this year, we're kind of slowing down into that right now. Mm. We pick back up Labor Day through like holiday parties, Mm. right? Yes. Holidays really aren't our biggest deal. Like we won't really do much on New Year's Eve. People don't get married on like Labor Day or Memorial Day. Right. Some do, but family kind of stays home and barbecues those Mm -hmm. days, you know? Mm -hmm. They're not really, or they're vacationing that day. Right going to a formal events. Yeah. Yeah. So we usually, luckily we kind of have those off when I was in the, in the restaurant industry, you're working those days. You're working Christmas Eve. Oh yeah. Definitely. Or New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Yeah. Especially if you're working for a hotel or, or, you know, something that's open 365. Yeah. Um, so we have two seasons coming Mm -hmm. out of ours right now. And then at the beginning of the spring and the beginning of the fall, I just start letting them know like, Hey guys, I need to get those orders in. Mm hmm. And then they'll fill my books for the next five months. Mm. And some of them will give me the full year if they know that they've got stuff booked or deposits. Oh, nice. yeah. I don't really like that because things change. I mean, caterers probably don't realize this, but I've actually had caterers book an event at one location, get canceled. The same day, another caterer call and book that same exact equipment because what? the bride has fired this one and hired this one. Oh, shoot. But it'll happen over like six months, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, because they do a tasting with, and then this mm. caterer's like, oh, we got the deal. Mm. And then it falls through. And Mm. so I'm like, don't give me tentative. Let's just get the real stuff on the books. Yeah, yeah. And uh, talking about controlling the narrative like we did earlier with picking up late, like Mm. I kind of had to take over with, we booked 16 ovens April 30th last year. Mm. I have 12 operational ovens. That was an issue. Four of them were out of brunch. So I was able to move those four to the evening. And that made the 16. Yeah. Right. So, because I had 12, 12 total already booked, four and four, you know. Right, right. I don't know if that math made sense, y'all, but it was 16 <laughs> ovens, and I only on 12. Well, you and basically
0: I'm, had to hustle to move it oh, from one event, clean it to the next event.
1: All four of them were at Middleton Plantation, which is yeah. near Somerville. And yeah. the four events were two downtown, one James Allen, one John's Island. Good Lord. And I had about two and a half hours to make it happen. I took the brunch event letting those guys know, Hey, listen, I can do this, but I need to like be on site. Right. You got to shut it down at this
0: time. Yeah. I got to roll out
1: and they yeah. let me do it, which is really nice. But yeah. I came out of that weekend and was like, I'll never do that again.
0: Mm.
1: What happens if an oven breaks? Mm. You know, what happens if the truck breaks down? Mm. What happens if my guy gets sick or I get sick or I get yeah. hurt? You know, yeah. I, twice now I've, we've had to stop, you know, on site because we've gotten cut. We, these ovens are sheet metal. I mean yeah. like they are sharp mm. and, uh, I've, we had to stop because somebody got hurt, you know? And it's like, you, you just got to factor that stuff in there. And right. So I went through the fall. My guy, he quit in the spring, this mm. spring. But last fall, he moved to Merle's in a couple hours away. Oh, okay. And he was driving down all fall, mm. which was really nice of him. I yeah. was surprised he lasted as long as he right. was doing that. Right, right. But I was kind of on my own. And I'm like, man, how am I going to dial this thing in? Like, mm-hmm. How am I going to get this thing so efficient? And really, where it comes down to is, Building on a logistics schedule and knowing where to be, when to be, mm-hmm. and kind of, I'm essentially like in the, I always kind of consider myself like a UPS driver. Like yeah. I've just, yeah. they are like built on efficiency. Yeah. Getting things dropped. Yeah. This weekend we have five events. Two weekends ago we had 17 Right? And they'll start... 17 in one week? Oh, absolutely. With 11 uh, 11 weddings on a a Saturday.
0: Holy cow, So you got to start
1: dropping on Thursday. There's no way you can drop 11 weddings by 1 1 p.m. on a Saturday. Right, right. Usually by that Saturday, I'll be down to three or four events. Yeah. Especially private homes. We can drop early, you know, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really comes down to that. And I've really just worked really hard at developing a system when it comes to to delivering. Mm -hmm. And really communication with my planners... And the caterers, yeah, and getting permission to drop these things ahead of time so that mm-hmm. we can, I don't know, just be efficient and be effective. And yeah, um, that's probably our biggest automation was going to uh, just some sort of system with deliveries and logistics. And it's tough yeah. to kind of put that into words because yeah. unless you know where all these locations are, it's tough for me to build like explain that to you. Right. But when things start coming in orders wise, I can see that they're like hotspots geographically like, mm. Oh shit, we've got four of them downtown. Mm. Great. We that's just got a, f- a phone call to Beaufort. Yeah. We probably can't do that. Right. Because that's right. going to put us on the road for nine hours. Right. And everything's in town. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I say nine hours cause it's five hours round trip five, you know, cause mm-hmm. we're, we're down there working too. It's just not driving there and driving back. Right. You know? and, right. Um, so now I've, I've just started getting a little more defined on what I'm willing to take. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even so much more efficiency wise, I've dubbed 2023 the year of saying no. Mm. Where I, I've finally given myself permission to start saying no to these events, mm. but thoughtfully explained to the person ordering, right? Hey man, this is why I can't handle that. Right. And in order for our business to do that, we've got to go buy go get four more employees, two more trucks, three more warehouse spaces. And next thing you know, we've gone from something that you can afford mm-hmm. and use on a weekly basis to being something really expensive. Right. Right. Well, you can go buy your own oven, right? And now you can handle it yourself. And it's yeah. like we, we sit in this little sweets pocket. pocket. <sighs> I don't know,
0: man. I mean, that's a, that's a tough uh, dichotomy that you're talking about is the balance between keeping your product the weight, the pricing that you like it, versus making it something that's you know going to be able to support more operation, but that makes it a little bit more expensive. Sure. Are you you got one box truck right now or two? <clears throat> just one. Just one? Um, and you got a storage unit full of all
1: your equipment? I have a warehouse space. Warehouse. Um, probably yeah. 15 minutes from here. Yeah. To, um, I share it with actually the bar service that my brother started. Okay. He, he sold it two years ago okay. to a friend of ours from college. Nice. And when they came to tour the space, they are like, hey, do you just want to stay here and split the rent? I'm like, yeah. great. So I, I yeah. split... You know, in the real estate world, they say house hack. I warehouse hack. You yeah. know, I, I rent a fourth of a warehouse space. Yeah, uh, it's about six hundred bucks a month for me. Yeah, but I have two storage that's units a, that's as well. Nice, that's a nice. That's uh, another six hundred. Yeah, uh, it, it's a great deal. Yeah, it's a great deal. Um, yeah. I'm up there four hours a week during mm. the week. That's it. Yeah, uh, I'm not in their hair. Um, I actually they they schedule meetings Tuesday mornings. Mm. So I'm like, that's when I'll be up there cleaning all my equipment because mm-hmm. it just gets. You don't want to smell grease traps and fryers right. And, right. and it just absolutely i don't want to put that on them you know yeah. i mean i can air the place out pretty good but yeah you can smell it when we're when we're yeah i just don't want to be disrespectful to my yeah. housemates i guess you know yeah and then actually right here we're at my house right now and at the end of the street there's a storage unit mm-hmm. i have two units there where all clean equipment gets moved to so all dirty oh. equipment will kind of get staged there during the weekend but it gets moved to the warehouse mm. cleaned and then re- and then moved back over to the storage units.
0: Ready to go out to an event. Ready to go
1: out, and that was actually part of the automation. I got a phone call probably last spring when I was getting my ass kicked, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here. Mm-hmm. The event is on Folly Beach, which is 20 minutes that way. Mm-hmm. The piece of equipment I need is 20 minutes the other way mm. in John's Island. Yeah, and as I'm driving by the storage units, I was like, God, it'd be so nice if I just had a fryer right there. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I dropped the fryer off, came right back to the storage unit, and, <laughs> and, and rented a unit. I'm serious.
0: <laughs> That's the way to do it, though. That was the way yeah.
1: to do it. I mean, it was, it was just... But, man, it unlocked everything for me, though, because mm-hmm. I I know it's Saturday at 4 o'clock. My nerves are shot. Mm. I'm expecting over the next two hours on, a, on an 11-event Saturday... Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a phone call. Yeah. It's either gonna be user operator error or there's gonna be a malfunction. Mm. It just, it is. Something's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. So the joke here is when my phone rings on a Saturday at four o'clock, I just start walking to the box truck. <laughs> I just start driving. You tell me where you are and I'll come meet you there. Right. Yeah. But if you start to hem and haw and you start to try to like figure it out over the phone, you're losing mm. minutes, man. And these right. guys need dinner at six o'clock. Right. Right. And it's that window of stress is why everything changed in this business. Mm. When last April, I just couldn't handle it, man. I was a nervous wreck. And so, uh,
0: have you ever thought about like, uh, I don't know if there's like common operator errors, but I don't know if you have like a placard that comes with the equipment that you can like say, Hey, quick reference guide on how to use this thing, you know? Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So all that that equipment actually comes with instructions and, and like, um, but,
0: no one's reading it. No, like, yeah.
1: they're panicking. Call Mark. Call Mark. <laughs> the, the FaceTime, man. Like, oh yeah, oh, it's unbelievable. FaceTime. Yeah. I'm like, hey, just show. I don't want to see you. Show me the equipment, and I'll right. basically use your fingers to like do the things I would do. Right, right. And usually we can solve it. There's some issues where regulators go bad on site, mm. and that you, you're you're not gonna be able to break that down without me or or right. a mechanic being on site to figure right. that out.
0: Right. Um. So that brings up a good point too: is knowing your equipment. It sounds like you can take these pieces of equipment apart, put them back together, repair them yourself. Was that just kind of, you're learning that on the fly? Or did uh, you go through training for that yourself? Uh, I
1: did not. It is learning on the fly. I mean, yeah. the moment <laughs> I bought a brand new range, first like month it didn't work. And I called called South Bend, the range company, which I still use those guys today. Shout out. They're in Fuquay, Verina, North Carolina. I think Holy that's cow. how you say <laughs> It's just near Raleigh. Yeah, They're an American-made oven company. Nice. Uh, they make a ton of shit. I mean, yeah. Uh, they pump them out, but something like a piece of lint got in the filter of the gas valve. Mm. So a guy had to come out, he had to break it down and take it apart. And I'm watching him and he goes, Hmm, this looks like warranty. This is no cost to you. I was like, sweet. Mm. I was like, just curious. What what would that have cost me? And he was like Mm. about 500 bucks. Mm. And I was like,
0: "Good
2: lord, I don't
1: have that man. Yeah. So I said, can you explain to me what you just did? Mm. And he explained to me, showed me everything. Mm. And Every time I had I would have to call somebody out, mm-hmm. that's what I would do.
0: Mm. You'd yeah. just be right there with them. Right
1: there with them. Yeah. And one guy one guy eventually was like, I just started working with him. He's yeah. like, hey, break this stuff down. I started breaking it down. Or I'd have it broken down by the time they got there. And I'm oh, like, nice. I've tracked it to right here. And they're like, yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know what you're doing. And yeah. so they, they would just tell me, order this part, do this, this, and this, call me if you have any issues. Mm. Nice. It's it's really there with the ovens, it's pretty simple. Mm. I mean, they're these things are so foolproof. I mean, the, the ovens have like computers in them. What? Oh, it's really, If you open up the side of them and there are more wires. In no there. no way. Oh, it's crazy for basically a thermostat and okay. to kick on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I've never had any electrical issues at all. It's always been gas, which is really just plumbing. Right? right. And there's not very many things that can go wrong from, we use propane tanks Right. from the tank to the back of the oven to the flame. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to figure it out pretty quick. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, I do have a guy that I use when I get stuck. I mean, I've got four ovens that aren't working right now. That I just—they really? just—that's just, kind of what happens through our season. They yeah. just start, and it, it's easy for me just to push it to the back of the warehouse and be like, mm-hmm. "All right, we only have ten of them right now. Right? Our max is 10. And right. then call the guy in at the end of the season because yeah. every time you call those guys out, it's a hundred bucks just right. to show up.
0: So have him work on multiple pieces instead of one yeah. piece at a time. He's like, just yeah.
1: line them up, and I'll line them up, and he'll just go right down them. And yeah, yeah. I asked that guy, I was like, "What's your training?" He goes, "My dad." And I was like. <laughs> Okay. I was about
0: to say we're in the world of YouTube these days. I mean, you can pretty much YouTube anything. Figure it
1: out. Unfortunately, in the commercial world, there's not a lot of um, for appliance work. There's not a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, Actually, if I was want to grow this business, uh, a service side of it would Mm. take off. Yeah. I mean, my neighbor, he's a head chef at Co Restaurant downtown. 5,000 bucks to fix the oven that just went down. Good Lord. Took him like nine weeks. Good Lord, bro. He said one of the service guys told him, if you pay me 500 bucks, I'll send somebody out there this week. It was like a $500 (laughs) door charge.
0: Emergency, uh, get there. It wasn't even that day. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying.
1: Good Lord. Oh, man. That's great. That that world, you're just like HVAC tech, refrigeration tech, and like, yeah.
0: I mean, for that you just have to find a guy and then mm-hmm. make the business deal sweet enough for him, where he gets like I would say probably a commission yeah. on whatever's going on. That way, he's getting paid for his job.
1: It's finding the guy that I
0: finding the guy that you can trust, though you know, and the guy that's actually going to do a good job. Yeah, yeah. What about the event kitchen though? You're trying to bring another person on on to assist since you lost the other guy.
1: So that's I've been running essentially now two full seasons running it kind of solo. Yeah, and. And I don't know if automation has been the word. It's more so efficiency where mm-hmm. I, I don't like to double back or do things twice or mm-hmm. you know, have to go back to do things or mm-hmm. any, any of that nature. And that's part of like the, the logistic schedules and the delivery schedules. And one of the other things we did was we have a new – I started this year on my own is the test fire rule. We test fire every single thing every single thing on site, even oh, though it's really? been test fired at the warehouse.
0: As soon as you get there, you boom, do it again.
1: Hook it all up to propane, yeah. make sure it test fires because where I was having issues on Saturday and what was causing me so much stress <laughs> – was getting the phone call that it wasn't working so that if I knew that I test fired it on site, you knew it was working. I knew it was working and it was probably operator error. Right. If not, something has gone seriously wrong in the last six hours since Mm. I dropped this thing off.
0: Do you keep like spares in your truck? If you can
1: always have an oven on the truck. But again, I've got eight ovens, eight hot boxes right there, right up the street, you know? So if something does happen, yeah, you know, there's, there's no issue. And yeah, I get smart about it. I put the newer ovens farther away. You know, I got two events tonight. The newer oven's the furthest away, and it's also on a dead-end driveway that I can't get to during the wedding. Whew. So if it breaks down, I, I can't have it break down right. I can't. I'll literally drive the truck through the wedding right. trying to get a new oven there. Good Lord. No fryer's different. I can just roll it down there, but right. the oven, there's no way. Good Lord. You know? Yeah. So I just got to make sure it works and it's right. And Yeah.
0: Are all these things on wheels? So you're basically wheeling them off the truck, wheeling them to their spot?
1: Yep. Uh, all the ovens I had, um, I think one and a half inch steel frame, frames mm-hmm. built for them. Mm-hmm the the oven legs that are manufactured, they're actually kind of mm. they, they don't take the shape of the oven. They kind of go they're mm. angled and weird. I you can't really roll them. Yeah. Uh I and actually the way I built my frames too, you can put a propane tank underneath it. So when oh. you roll in the oven, you can kind of yeah. you don't have to carry a tank separately you got it with it's, it. it's one trip. Again, yeah. like automation and efficiency. Like right. I don't want to make multiple trips to the truck. Right. 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 And sometimes like yesterday when I was in Polly's Island, it was a hundred and fifty yard push of the oven. I don't know if you ever carried a thirty pound propane tank for 150 yards, but that's a long way. <laughs> that's a long way. Um, good endurance training. It is you know? <laughs> but if it's under the oven on the rack, it right. just the oven does the heavy lifting. Right. Um,
0: Dang, that's crazy, dude. That's that's yeah. pretty intense logistically. And for the listener, you know, they don't know the uh, distances that you're traveling, but it's like forty minutes one way, you know, forty minutes back, thirty minutes the other way, thirty minutes. So we're talking about a lot of time taken yep. up and driving. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, which has further got me to dive into the data of the business, mm. which my brother kind of spurred. This one of his restaurants that he has, they opened it a year in. He's like, "Man, this is not like something's not right. Like, mm. what's happening? I'm not seeing the faces that mm. I thought I'd see." Yeah, and so he pulled all of his data, and he's like, mm, "Come to find out, through Resi, everybody's 55 years to 64 years old." Mm. He goes, "I wanted, I thought they were going to be 44 to 55. It's yeah. a whole age group down." Mm. So he's like, I started thinking about it. These guys want to meet in three. They don't want like poke bowls and, yeah. and sh- small bites. So yeah. he, he and his, his buddy that he's worked with for a long time, he hired him on and they kind of went into some more entrees. And next thing you know, the numbers are up because they're actually mm. catering to the people, mm. right? Like actually they're using the data that's being provided to them to mm-hmm. make smart decisions. Right. I got to be honest with you, 10 years in this business, I mean, I've pulled some P&Ls, I've pulled some yeah. sales numbers, but I've never pulled like numbers, numbers. Right, right. Like really broken it down. I mean, the... The paychecks always come in, and the bank account's always been good, but I've never really looked at the data. And I started pulling it, and I'm like, if we can go back real quick to that 2023 year saying no. Mm -hmm. That started, I pulled all my customers, and I had 49 of them last year in 2022. Mm. 24 or 27 of them used me one time, Mm. and it was generally on a busy weekend, and it was a panic phone call from them. Mm. And I'm like, man, all I'm doing is bailing these one-time clients out. Right. Like right. for my ego, right? Like I can't solve everybody's oven problems, right? Like what am I doing? Yeah, that makes total sense. Total sense, you know? right? Yeah. Fired those t- those twenty four to twenty seven. So the bottom fifty percent of my customers fired them, and I won't. I will not work with them again mm. unless it's in certain windows. And those windows are the off season mm-hmm. or a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't. And or unless the event. I mean, this may be on the greedier side of things, but if the event makes sense dollar wise, mm-hmm. and it's a it, I'll throw it into the weekend. Yeah. But if it's one fryer, you know, and it's a 25 minute drive, like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. You know, your
0: priority goes to your, uh, tried and true reoccurring uh, customers, which is, I basically
1: have seven of them. Yeah. So I had the top seven who are Mm -hmm. my usual caterers, Mm -hmm. the bottom 27 or whatever it is, that's 34. So there's this middle 20 customers. Yeah. And those are also a group I want to focus on and mainly because they're the one-off festivals, mm. like the Oktoberfest in Columbia. Mm. It's a five thousand dollar event, you know, yeah. Country Music Fest, same deal. Yeah. Charleston Food and Wine Festival, which we do every single piece of equipment that they cook on that is not chef brought in. Mm. They're using our equipment. Yeah. Which if I could get about six of those a year, yeah, <laughs> I'd be set. I'm well, serious. I mean, like, because there's at this point, I don't have any debt on the company really. I, yeah. my box truck's got a loan on it. And yeah. Uh well, I guess last year I took a small loan to kind of that 16 oven weekend, I had yeah. to go buy some equipment. <laughs> I was so overbooked. I had to go buy some, but it's, it's minimal dollars a month. Right, right? right. And, uh, so this point, those big events, man, we're just like, we're just stacking the cash mm-hmm. on that. And that's where like, yeah, I'm glad I've slowly built the business up because when somebody does order 40 pieces of equipment, mm-hmm. I don't have a 40 piece debt roll that I got to pay off back in. Right,
0: right. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Now, what about the event planners? You got your caterers and stuff. Are there <laughs> event planners that you know that you're, that you have relationships with that plan out big events and stuff that you can, uh, you know, you make them a priority as well.
1: Sure. Um, not nearly as much as the caterers, as the so, caterers, yeah. you know, and so the caterer is my number one client, mm. the, the salesperson on the catering team is mm. probably the person I deal with the most, mm. not the chefs, you know. Uh, the chefs just kind of cook. They, they're the ones right. that call me with a problem, but yeah, yeah. They tell the, the salesperson, This is what we're going to be doing, this is what we need. They right. order it, and I stay pretty much in contact with them. Uh, I'll be in touch with the planner like the day of. If yeah. there's some sort of like yesterday in Polly's Island, I probably should have called. I was box truck number six in line when I showed up. Holy cow, that is not what I like to do with my time, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, and there's nobody out there. Directing people It's mm. on a neighborhood street So like It's just clogging it up And That's why I was like I'm just gonna start Pushing this stuff And then, yeah. I don't yeah. have time to wait I mean yeah. You know You've already driven two hours Now you right. One of the guys Went and parked And they just went to lunch I mean, they're, I mean like Five no, people you. on staff I couldn't do that Right I mean I guess I could But I'm yeah. just gonna start Tacking it on to the Right but, and we it's, had to
0: wait two hours. That's two hours extra charge because we had to wait. We couldn't get our equipment to the next job.
1: And unfortunately, I'm I'm charging like the wrong person in that situation. I'm mm-hmm. eventually charging the caterer and then the bride, right? Not the planner who failed to do it right. 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 Um, so I usually reach out to the planners the day of, or the, say, "Hey, I'm on my way," mm-hmm. just to let them know. I did not yesterday. I got to be honest with you. This week has been kind of really bad communication wise for me yeah. with my people. Yeah. Uh, I think coming out of season, I just shut down. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, cause I had people call me today. They're like, Hey, what's going on <laughs> <laughs> with this country music fest? I was like, when is it? They're like tomorrow. I'm like tomorrow. I thought it was Sunday. So I'll be going to Myrtle beach tomorrow. But you know, it's just, I think the, the thing with the efficiency too, that really sets any business apart. It's just communication, mm. and I immediately realized I screwed up this morning when the phone call came in. Mm. It's a simple text message just confirming, and I've got a Monday morning email that mm-hmm. I, every Monday at 9 o'clock, I usually write it throughout the weekend, schedule it for a Monday morning, mm. and I tell the cater, hey, this is our this week's events. Mm. We've got them on these days. These are the delivery schedules. This is where I'll put it. I'll confirm with the salesperson when I do. Yeah. Uh, and I break it down for them. If there's any changes, let me know now mm-hmm. so that I can do it before the weekend. Mm. And going to that one email that takes me 10 minutes on a Saturday, mm-hmm. it sets my whole week up. Yeah. It changed everything. Yeah. Do you know that book, The One Thing by Jay Papazon? uh uh-uh. Um, He worked for Keller Williams. Okay. And he was basically became... He was like really new to Keller Williams when they started in the late 90s. Yeah. I think in yeah. Austin, Texas. They ended up getting brought on as CEO. And he talks about the one thing, like, just focus on the one thing, man. Mm. And it's really about time blocking. Mm. And when this business started taking over my life about two years ago, I said, nope. Every mm-hmm. Monday morning, we send out a 9 a.m. email. Mm-hmm. And that email needs to be an email that doesn't leave any desired questions. You know, I need all the details on this date. And I do right. it every single Monday. And I yeah. st- and actually... Trained my caterers so well that if I'm out of town, I'll get emails on Tuesday mm. from them saying, "Hey, just want to confirm." Yeah, and it's almost like my exact email back to me. Yeah, but I never wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> they just they just know and yeah. getting the details and that stuff. And that's who I work with the caterers. And yes. like I said, man, I don't do any advertising. I don't. Yeah. What I do is I just make sure that those seven people are seven businesses. Mm-hmm. They just know that if anything happens, I have their back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it goes to show you that you can have five to seven people. Clients and they can literally pay for your lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Those guys, all the other stuff is icing on the cake. Right. But those seven caterers, if I only worked with them, it would be yeah. great.
0: Yeah. You take care of them, they'll take care of you. you know, Absolutely. You'd be reliable for them.
1: One of them just had a major fire. Oh, shoot. On a Saturday at, at a, 11 o'clock. At an event? No, at their warehouse space. Oh, my gosh. Which, <clears throat> what these caterers do, this was three weeks ago, maybe. They have a main location mm. because all of our stuff is offsite here in Charleston. Mm. There's no kitchens on site, so the caterers are cooking everything there, at least Mm -hmm. a lot of the main stuff, Mm -hmm. and then they're ordering my equipment and then doing all the big stuff on site. Yeah. Right?
0: So they have like a kitchen as well. A main one. and There's probably
1: four ovens, four ranges, steamers, fryers. There's everything. Yeah. It's massive. It's five times the size of my townhouse. Good look. Oh, yeah. It's massive kitchen. Um, Fire there, and they call me at 1130, and they're like, we need like full kitchen, two full kitchens built in our backyard. What? In 30 minutes. What? (laughs) Were you in
0: bed? Where were you at? I (laughs) I was on the road. Uh, oh, really? and
1: I, I mean, I was delivering their equipment, a lot of their equipment to their locations. Okay. Okay. And I was up by Magnolia on 61. They're on downtown. And I'm like, yeah. I said, guys, I'm like hours. And I'm in my head, I'm like running the number, like, where am I at? Where do I got to go? I'm like, yeah. and I was picking up some stuff from the night before. And I'm like, oh shit, I've got everything they need on the truck. Mm. So I call them back. I'm like, I'll be there in 30 minutes, man. Mm. And they're like, awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm there and the fire trucks are still there putting this thing out. <sighs> and they're, I mean, as soon as I'm plugging in, they're cooking. I mean, that's how far behind they are. Good lord. But w- the amount of phone calls I got from that company was, they're like, thank you so much, man. Like, mm. You saved the day. They were, hey. oh, it saved the day. Yeah. And it's like, uh, there was years I tried to be that hero. And yeah. I mean, this is a shitty sales technique, but I did it all the time, right? <laughs> so people would call me in a panic. yeah, And they'd be like, I would not do this in a real emergency situation like a fire, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But they'd call and be like, oh my God, we need this. We forgot to do this. And I'd be like, let me check my books. Let me mm. see what I got. Yeah. In my head, the whole time, I'm like, I know I got it. Yeah. I'm like, give me 20 minutes. I need to look at my calendar and I'll call you right back. Mm-hmm. And for those 20 minutes, they're like, oh my God, I forgot to order this oven. My boss is going to kill me. Yeah. 20 minutes later, I'm like, I got you covered. Yeah. I'll drop it on 6 a.m. And they're like, yeah. oh my God, you're a lifesaver. Yeah. And then I followed up with, don't call me next time as a panic. Mm. Like, book, just book me. Yeah. Because you're telling me that the other company bailed on you. Right. Just book me up front. Right. And like, that's how I would start winning those. Yeah. And it's not a pushy sales call. It's just like, yeah. hey, it's kind of a gentleman handshake, man. I bailed yeah. you out. Yeah, you start using me,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you ever have uh, clients upset at you or people upset at you? How do you deal with those situations?
1: No, and I've kind of learned that a little bit in the year of saying no. Mm-hmm. I've, I've actually used that same sales technique where people will call, and they'll be like, hey, I need an oven on this date. And I'll be like, great. I need some more details. Mm. Like, where is it? Yeah. Because if I say yes to you just needing it on that date, and then you throw out that it's 55 miles in the wrong direction, right? I just can't do that. Yeah. I'm actually at the point now where there's diving into that data more. I'm breaking it down hour per event. What's the dollar per hour per event? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So I just, if you work in Beaufort and it's 5 hours from the time I leave my house to get back twice that's it's 10 hours for one oven that's 40 bucks an hour 50 bucks an hour <laughs> yeah i can do 6 ovens in the downtown area mm-hmm. west ashley mount pleasant just over the bridge and mm-hmm. i can drop 6 in 2 hours yeah it's 2400 bucks yeah you know or whatever the numbers are and yeah
0: so it's, I, it's I'd, more it's more uh, profitable to be closer absolutely. to yourself you know and
1: i've kind of just learned that while i'm working on my own because when i had the second guy yeah. i would go run a section of that delivery schedule. And I'd be like, Hey, you go do these other four mm. without him here, you know, yeah. and, uh,
0: unless you tack on like extra charges for being outside your normal operating area, you know, like a mileage mm. fee or something. Like I do that. have a mileage fee. Do you? Yeah.
1: It's a delivery fee, which I've never, I've actually kind of struggled with raising prices in this business, mm. which I have on certain amount, certain piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Two of them, I have not since I bought it, which yeah. that will happen June 1st. That's which is yesterday. So yeah. Yeah. i am telling you how much I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually um, started, I put delivery charges on a couple years ago mm-hmm. and I didn't want to hit people with a price change and a delivery charge. Right. Right. Cause I didn't want right. to double up on it. And all of a sudden right. the price goes two X what it was. Right. Um, so now is kind of the time to hit them with that next one mm-hmm. but delivery charges we do a dollar per mile, mm-hmm. and essentially, if you go on my website it I break down delivery charges mm-hmm. and it 's by zone, zone one is zero to fifteen miles, fifteen oh, to nice. twenty, yeah, you know whatever they are, yeah, and then overthink thirty five it 's just a dollar per mile to yeah. that destination, so yeah. if it 's from my door to your door a hundred miles, yeah, three hundred bucks, yeah, right, yeah, the other ones are seventy five hundred hundred and twenty five so yeah, we just kind of bump it up and yeah um. But it hasn't been until this year where I really started diving into the data of the numbers yeah. and realizing that these outlier out-of-town events, when I looked at my stressful weekends, I could always pinpoint it to that one out-of-town event. And mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if I just eliminate that, mm-hmm. I'd rather have nine events locally than mm-hmm. 10 events with one in Savannah. Right. <laughs> I mean. Right.
0: That's just going to add so much more stress. Yeah. So much more, yeah. Well, I feel like in business in general, you're like figuring it out as you go. You know, for most business owners, of course, there's those big big wigs out there that got it all figured out, or they have a team doing all that. But sure. like small business, it's like you're figuring out as you go. You know what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, you were saying you should get somebody to do the deliveries, and I, I think I'll bring somebody in back in on that mm-hmm. mainly for just to help me. I want to I want to be on site, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what mm-hmm. I've, I've like fought with. You know, there's this four hour work with Tim Ferriss. Oh, you're not supposed to be like doing all this work, and it's yeah. like yeah. I can have my guys go on site and meet with these planners. Yeah. And when I've had past employees do that, I've gotten phone calls like, hey, man, like, what's up with this? Like, mm. it's just not the level of service that you bring. Mm. And it's like, how do you how do you train somebody kind of on the hospitality side of things? That's hard, man. You know, it a long time. That's my background. Yeah. Right. And I, and I repeatedly say I'm in the hospitality business. I just happen to rent ovens. Right. Right. If I was selling shoes, I'd be the same guy. Mm hmm. And or selling candles yeah. be the same guy <laughs> yeah I, I could still do it because I'm taking care of you from a hospitable standpoint mhm not from a self-serving I want to do my job and get out of here standpoint yeah you know and yeah uh, I kind of had two employees get in a fight and one of them <clears throat> wanted to leave a site mhm and he goes, he says to my guy who, my, my guy who was with me for a long time mm-hmm. and another guy are on site. Yeah. The second guy says to my guy who's been with me a long time, what are we supposed to do? Make sure it's 110% correct before we leave. And the guy looks at him and goes, yeah, man, that's kind of the whole point. <laughs> yeah. But the guy wanted to leave because he want to go surfing. And mm-hmm. it's like, man, it, I get it. We all got the things we want to do, but yeah. Like, You've only been at work for three hours today, man. Right. Just knock right. it out. Do it right. And, then, right. and you know what? They didn't do it right. I had to drive back out there that night. I spent mm-hmm. another hour and a half on site fixing it without the two of them. Mm-hmm. Called the second guy back, and I'm like, hey, man, this is the reason why. I've just mm-hmm. spent an hour and a half of my night mm-hmm. fixing your mistake because you wanted to leave. Yeah. And that's just not what I want. That's yeah. just not who we want. But
0: Yeah. A lot of people, too, on the weekend businesses, you know how you're running like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're running equipment around. People are like, I want to surf on the weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm usually out with the bros getting beers on the weekend. You know, exactly. I mean, there's one. That's one thing this. I've one thing this industry has done is it's zapped my weekend Mm
3: -hmm. lifestyle, Mm -hmm. which
1: isn't necessarily bad because that's definitely a culture of like people working nine to five and just getting sloshed all weekend. You know, and I'm okay with working the event, not partying at the event. Right. The beautiful thing about working weekends too is that if I want to go fishing Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday yeah water's empty yeah right like i'm not trying to fight the less crowd. traffic on the less oh. traffic on the water you know some of the best days are fishing at like 8 a.m at tuesday right all about Nobody's that there. Yeah.
0: i hate going on the water on holidays and weekends dude <laughs> nothing like that it's it's, it scares me to watch people driving their boats around you know i'm like these people are about to crash into each other <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> yeah. it's insane yeah the listener doesn't know you're a big <laughs> fisherman too yeah. I've seen on your Instagram a couple of times, you're like, oh,
1: I saw this creek, I pulled over, I started fishing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a YouTube channel uh, called Redfish Blue Tail. Almost at that 1,000 subscriber mark, folks. Nice. Need like nice. 24 more if anybody wants to.
0: What do you do on the YouTube tutorials and all that?
1: Uh, no, it's actually just kind of, I just take people along for the ride. Oh, I mean, okay. uh, if you learn something, great. I yeah. mean, I've had people, uh, what, what it's actually, it's such a cool thing to kind of. I don't know, just have people reach out and be like, hey man, like my fishing level is like increased by watching these. Or thanks, man, for your information. I just caught my first redfish on a flood tide on the fly by watching your stuff. And you're like, it's never my intention to teach people these things. Yeah. I kind of always just said, hey, just come, just ride shotgun. You yeah. know, like, just watch me
0: go fish. You got a GoPro, you're recording yourself? <clears throat> on the
1: chest, yep. I wear it on the chest.
0: And You just uh, upload it raw, or what do you do with it? Oh,
1: I edit the shit out of
0: it. Oh, oh do yeah, you really? Oh yeah. oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's probably, <clears throat> some of the videos take three days to film. Really? I mean, I'll, I'll go out on some flood tides where go out, see some fish, can't catch one. Go out the next day, never see a fish. Go out the third day, finally connect. I mean, yeah. For folks who understand, flood tides in Charleston are the peak of our high tides, and the river actually leaves the river and goes into the marsh, mm. and it'll flood the marsh to about knee deep. Last night was probably waist deep. It got mm. to about a 7'2", which is six foot is our normal high tide, so mm-hmm. you're at a foot 1.2 feet over what a normal high tide was last night. That's flooding the streets downtown, yeah you know you can eight <laughs> rains, you're like really flooding the streets yeah. downtown and for about two and a half to three hours in this need eat water, redfish will get into the marsh and they'll mm. feed on uh fiddler crabs, mm. any bait fish mm. shrimp um, I mean I'll be walking through there kicking shrimp up left and right, really oh yeah, yeah, uh, so what the redfish do is they get in there and they'll cruise these flats looking for that bait. Mm. Redfish and mouth is on the bottom side. All drum, the mouth is on the bottom side of their mouth. And they mm-hmm. have to kind of angle themselves like, like yeah, this. Yeah, tail up. The tail up and the yeah. mouth on the bottom of the floor to, to hit eat that. these crabs. Yeah, yeah. And when they do it, they basically wave to you. And it's a sight fishing. And mm. you, you essentially either, there's multiple ways to find these fish when you're on a flat like that. Mm. The most obvious is when the tail pops up your heart stops a little bit, you know, (laughs) I'm not a hunter, but I imagine it's really similar to seeing a deer or a turkey step out of the woods into the field. I'm sure you're going, you know, like, all right, calm yourself, get the shot, right. Get the fly to drop in the, in, in the right place. So you're
0: basically, as soon as you see that signal, you throw your, your line across, Uh, I'm not a big fisherman, but you throw it over the fish and then you drag it in front of the fish and the fish will grab it. You hope. Yeah. 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 So it's all about the hand to eye coordination really of getting your line to drop properly. Sure. Controlling your heart rate, controlling your adrenaline, so you can get that that set properly, right?
1: Yeah, and it's actually quite amazing how accurate you can be because I've dropped way too many flies <laughs> right on the fish's head. You're like, <laughs> you're like I needed an extra foot, you know? I almost say the same thing in soccer, like when you shoot and hit the goalpost, mm. like it's just accuracy because those right. who you're using for your peripheral, right? Right. Like you're actually right. dead on, right? Because that's what you were looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with fishing. I think there's so many times, and you'll see it in the videos where I'm like. Dropped it on his head, and it may be the one fish of the day. (laughs) The tricky thing with those fish is really understanding their behavior in the water. Mm. When you see the tail, it's pretty obvious to see... To see where they are and what which way they're moving, mm-hmm. but when they start moving is when you start to lose them and start mm. and it's really attracting them at that point, which mm-hmm. really becomes part of the hunt.
0: So you want to when you see the tail up, that means they're feeding. That's when you want to set your uh, line. And
1: almost yeah, exactly. Yeah. Almost kind of when they because they go from nose down to like nose up. Mm. Now they see the fly that you just drop. You want them to hammer it, right? right if right. they're if they're eating, it's pretty difficult for them to see your fly. Oh really? Oh the fly usually either. Sitting on top of the water, if you're oh, like a okay. gurgler, it's a foam fly. Okay. Or if you're stripping it through, it's still on the top of the water. So mm-hmm. if they're looking down, I've never had a fish really. I've really? had them go down to eat my fly, oh, like yeah. a crab fly, but I've never had them be in the eating position and eat my stuff.
0: So do you throw it? They once you see them start coming up, then you start dragging it. Is that what you do? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, i essentially just kind of cross their path. Yeah. Is what you want to try to do? Yeah. yeah. Um, my next. I, I have a drone I bought two years ago. I've never oh, used nice. it. <laughs> yeah, but really? It's very difficult to use a drone on a paddleboard with a fly rod it. and yeah. a paddle. You know, you just can't do it. Yeah. So I need a secondary person to like yeah. go out there with me. But yeah. It would be really cool to be able to show that pattern, the fish mm-hmm. moving across the flat, fly dropping, right. fly across their nose, right?
0: eat. That I mean. would be cool. <laughs> so you're using a paddleboard to get in infill and exfill. That's what you're using.
1: Yeah. So what I'll do, uh, if, if I launch from like the road, that's what I'll use. Okay. But a lot of times what I'll do too is I've got a 17-foot uh, Key West, okay. uh, Um so our sea hunt, which is the same mold, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll throw the paddleboard in that. Mm. And then what I can do is if I can't get, you know, a lot of skiffs around here, they can just go right off the river into the flat, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they only draw six inches. Yeah. Mine does not. So mm. what I'll do is I'll take the boat, nose it into the grass, mm. drop the paddleboard in, mm. and then cruise. You can go anywhere you want with that right and to right. be honest with you i think i can cover a lot more ground than the boats can that way yeah because the boat's so heavy to i don't know if you've ever tried to pull a boat long I time mean, ago yeah <laughs> it's, it's a skill yeah. you know and it's 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 not easy to it's not hard to master but it's just you need to be in shape you need yeah. to be in push pulling shape yeah and then you throw a 15 foot or 15 like um 15 mile an hour crosswind on that boat and i mean it's, yeah. it's not easy. I mean, and I've never... You need an airboat.
0: You need an airboat, exactly.
1: dude. Exactly. <laughs> just blast through the marsh. <laughs> what I like about the paddle boat, though, is like... Or paddle board, excuse me, is that, like, yeah. man, you can just you can just get anywhere and everywhere, and it kind of yeah. unlocks that flat where... Yeah. But I mean, I'll walk. I, there's some place I'll just park and walk. I'll yeah. take the paddle board. I mean, really, just all about timing. How much time do I have to get prepared?
0: To, you walking in the marsh barefoot, or you got like Oh, I've shoes? got booties. Oh, yeah, like yeah.
1: Sims makes a wading boot that okay. has like a Velcro up top around above the ankle that... Yeah. Because yeah. there's a bunch of snails that crawl, crawl up that grass.
0: I was about to say, dude,
1: <clears throat> those, the uh, snails those will,
0: oyster shells or whatever will tear you up too. There's, there's not
1: possible. too many oyster shells on the flap. There's a lot of mm. mussel farms, mm. like you know, the black mussels, yep. that I've definitely stepped on those <sighs> and crunched the shit out of them. Oh, i like, yeah, eh, there goes the fish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. can, you can hear it almost run through my leg oh, how yeah. loud it is. Um, <clears throat> but it's really the grass. The grass is super sharp, mm. so I wear long pants, mm-hmm. wear booties. Long sleeve shirt. What do the snails do? You said they're snails. They'll fall into your shoe. Like if you just wear tennis shoes or like oh, yeah. or just regular boots without a strap around the top, yeah. they'll, they'll fall into your boot, and then you'll start walking on them, and then it's. Ugh. I have a hole in my boot right now, and they're getting in there pretty. Really? Cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, marsh lice, like sea lice, or um like red bugs. Really? Oh man,
0: they're itchy and they're biting you and all Oof. that, dude. Oh.
1: They'll They'll get you basically from the knee down. Good I mean, lord. It, my legs have just white dots all over them from just getting annihilated. It'll happen with pants. Like, they'll. they'll really? First couple of times I went without pants, I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get them nearly as much anymore, but.
0: They come off pretty easy or are they like on you pretty good? Oh,
1: no. Like, I'll have, like, two days, I'll know it. Like, it happened. I'm like, eh, I'll, probably got some, I'll probably pick some up on that trip. Oh, um, dude. Two days later, your legs start itching. It's like blisters. I mean, uh, it starts burning. Yeah. And then what I use is rubbing alcohol and oh, I'll okay. just dab it. And usually within a day, it's pretty they're, much scabbed up and they're all done. In. Yeah. yeah.
0: Dang. That's crazy.
1: Oh man. It's the worst. Like some flats you walk, they're not on it. Yeah. Some flats you walk, like they're all over they're it. They're all over it. Yeah. You
0: know? and Dang. It's so beautiful. you're, so you're into the redfish. Are there other fish that you're targeting too? Or is that your main thing?
1: <clears throat> uh, trout, sea trout in the okay. wintertime for sure. Yeah. Um, flounder is always kind of a bycatch for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't ever, I've never really targeted flounder, but mm-hmm. from an angler and a catch and release standpoint, uh, trout and yeah, and redfish i kind of have like a season a fall yeah I, I caught my last redfish on a flood tide which i gotta be honest with you i'm a an horrible angler catching redfish in open <laughs> water it's awful <laughs> i'm so bad i can catch trout all day almost blindfolded mm-hmm. i can't catch redfish like on an open river mm. but put me on a low tide or a flood tide like yeah catch them all day
0: yeah like, what's the uh technique to the trout slow <laughs> slow yeah. yeah
1: just uh Really, trout, it's just knowing it's matching the hatch, knowing what they eat. Mm -hmm. Um, If you turn around, there's like little transparent shrimp on there that killed it in January, but really just matching the hatch. And a lot of times, you just come January and February, uh, at least Charleston waters, Mm -hmm. you know, we start getting into those 50 degree weathers, Mm -hmm. 50 degree temperature waters, Mm -hmm. the bait gets super, super small. It's basically like Mm -hmm. silver ciders, right? Oh, really? Well, people still want to fish with mud minnows and finger Mm mullet, and they want to throw. Plastics that are four inches and four and a half inches long. But everything in the water is like... Tiny. Two inches long. Yeah. And really, you got to kind of get rid of a jig head. You, c- you can't really throw a one-eighth ounce or even a tenth ounce. You almost have to go down to one-sixteenth ounce. Mm. Black mushroom head jig, which mm. kind of... Om- most jig heads have an eyeball on it. Mm. These do not. Mm. So it almost looks like it's part of the bait fish. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. There's no flash to it. Mm-hmm. So they just they just see something very small. And Yeah. I've actually on video, gone, shown, gone from a, like an eye strike jig, which is one of my favorite jigs to use, yeah. a Z-Man paddle tail, thrown it, thrown it, thrown it, thrown it, and I'm like, watch this guys, switched up to a smaller jig head, smaller bait, first cast, catch fish, really? same hole,
0: same place, same place, really, what same exact heck? one, that's crazy, that they know, oh, they super know, super intelligent, more intelligent than people think, huh,
1: well, here's the thing, I mean, yeah. it's, 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 if you walked into a buffet every day and it was mm-hmm. pizza and mm-hmm. then like the next day you walked in there and there's spaghetti, you'd be like, well, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You probably walk past and like, keep going. Yeah. At least the first time by, you're like, that's not pizza.
0: Right. Right. Something's abnormal. Yeah.
1: Right. And for yeah. them, that big finger mullet that you threw in the water, they haven't seen it for two months.
0: Yeah. What about live bait? You know how people put like, uh, cut up pieces of fish mm-hmm. to try and get the scent out in the water or sure. they'll put like, uh, you know, I don't know if it's proper terminology, but like a minnow on there mm-hmm. and then they'll throw that in the water, let it flutter around. Sure. You know, what about that kind of technique?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think those folks are more, more likely trying to take fish home to eat. Mm-hmm. Like,
3: uh
1: how do I say this? Like sounding polite to all anglers, I suppose. <laughs> you know, that's kind of like a chunk and plunk kind of mentality where you're like, yeah. you just chunk, it plunks in the water, right. you let you it wait. soak and you just wait. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, if that's what you like to do, and sit underneath the canopy and have a few beers and just mm-hmm. you know catch a fish, and everything that's awesome. Yeah. Live shrimp, live finger mullet, live uh, mud minnows—that mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. When I go fishing, it's more I'm, I'm, I want to work it. Skill, it, it's, it's, a, its a puzzle to me. And like, right, right. Uh, I want to, f- I want to find these fish with just artificial. A couple mm-hmm. years ago, eh, ten years ago, I started when I moved back to Colorado. I got really into fishing again, mm-hmm. mainly because I was fly fishing out west mm-hmm. all
0: the time. In the rivers and all in the that? rivers, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's uh,
1: cool. I grew up fish i grew up here in Charleston, grew right. up fishing a lot of chunk and plunk, you know, a lot of Carolina rigs and chicken rigs. And mm-hmm. uh what you do with those rigs though is you end up gut hooking a lot of fish. Mm. Mainly because a ten inch trout, sea trout, when it eats a live shrimp on a mm. two ounce pyramid, you know, weight, you mm-hmm. can't feel the bite. So mm-hmm. the trout keeps eating it oh, until they swallow it. Right. When you hook it, you they're basically done. gut hook them back through. You can. There's great YouTube videos out there to fix a gut hook. You just got to go through their gills, cut the line, and bring the hook out. It actually is much better than trying to pull out oh, the really? mouth. Oh, really? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, when you cut the line, you pull from the barb bin, so you just, you're just you pulling the little eyelet out. You're not mm. pulling the hook I back see out. what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, I went on charlestonfishing.com and was like, guys, I'm having this issue. Like, mm. something's not right. And they're mm. like, they basically explain you can't feel the bite. Mm. Uh, go to artificial. Mm. And, man, it like. I was like, I'd never threw artificial before. I threw it in like lakes for bass, but mm. never for saltwater. And yeah, it like it became this puzzle of yeah. like, I know there's fish in here because I caught them with the shrimp. Like, yeah, how do I catch them with the grubs? And yeah, it just turned into this education and just a meditation of mm. sorts. Um, I actually, had a guy stop me last night as I was walking bare. He's like, "Why aren't you fishing the flood tide tonight?" Mm. And I said to him, "I'm like, man, I've just lost the spark. Mm. I mean, yeah." I think business just kind of took over and even on the days when I'm not busy, I just can't mm. shut it down where, yeah. I'm sure you know this, there's a to-do list that's always building.
0: That's the thing is business never stops right? for the business owner, you know? <laughs> right?
1: There's Literally, a primary list, when, yeah, secondary and a third list that you're like, I can put those things on the back burner, but even yeah. when you knock out the first list, the second list bumps up to the front and you're like, well, can I go fishing or do yeah. I need to do this? Or Yeah.
0: I mean, there's something you can always do. Something always. If you're I mean, running a business, you
1: know? And I think that's when I'm at the point now where I'm busy enough that that's really a factor and it's mm. now it's time to, Hey man, you, you gotta, you got to make sure that if you're going to get hit so hard during these busy seasons, mm-hmm. you have to take time in the off season. Like you can't right. be here working on stuff. Like you gotta yeah,
0: go. Yeah. Which, that's, that's good that you have an off season where you can do that too. You yeah. Know, I, I can, an off season. I'm sure you have a few things going on.
1: My sales, um, literally look like an M Mm-hmm. On, on my for my yearly calendar yeah from january it builds up to may drops yeah. down through august back yeah. up through the fall and then back down by january one yeah i want it to be more of like a steady steady plateau and yeah this year it kind of did um it's kind of been the first year that it's not so much an m as mm-hmm. like a sharp m it's kind of yeah. like a rounded m you know <laughs> <laughs> like we just want it to be one big round or can one you big pinpoint line.
0: anything that happens in those like low times that you could like jump on any kind of events or anything maybe i don't have- even get
1: phone calls sure <laughs> That's insane. It, it would blow That's your insane
0: mind. how it drops that much. It goes know?
1: from nothing to zero and then usually I'm on vacation second yeah. week of August yeah. and the text messages just start coming through because everybody starts, "Oh shit, it's Labor Day in 2 weeks. Mm-hmm. We don't have our orders in." Like mm-hmm.
0: What are the caterers doing though? They got to have those dips too. You know, so what are they doing for work? Are they
1: You know, a lot of their crews um they have uh like a skeleton crew in the off season and then they hire a lot of people seasonally oh
0: really a lot of people They'll bring a team on oh get, get grows used
1: a lot oh yeah really yeah they have their core group that yeah. is on salary you right. know i'm on salary even yeah. though we have i i wasn't on salary for like six and a half years yeah yeah there just wasn't there was enough money to get me through the downturn mm-hmm. which is why i was bartending but yeah yeah i think bartending too allowed me to keep everything in the business mm-hmm And that way I was able to buy things with cash, Yeah, you know, and I'm sure if a financial advisor looked at our business account, he'd probably be like, you need to move some of that over to like money-making accounts. But Mm. I feel most comfortable with keeping a certain number of cash in that account. Mm -hmm. One, I have a full year salary in there at all times, Yeah, right? In case things hit the fan. Yeah. And I have another cushion in case, you know, I bring somebody on or we have some expenses, but yeah. I'm at the point now where I don't really need to buy any inventory. It's really just kind of buying it to replace old stuff, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: and maintain what you got and all that.
1: Yeah. Some stuff definitely it's, I still run my original equipment,
0: The, the stuff I bought day one. I mean, you take care of it. You yeah know what i'm saying it'll take care of you
1: it right. definitely looks the the company made model changes so yeah. <laughs> it's like looking at a 10 year old corolla oh, really? one today yeah. Like, eh, okay we can it see still works though. you know <laughs> it does i mean and it's like it's it done chances are two of those ovens are going up to myrtle beach for that music fest yeah i'm like why wouldn't i send my oldest ones that have been paid off for 10 years to just right. go make some straight profit yeah yeah and they're work horses you know and yeah that caterer uses me quite a bit mm-hmm. um I love those guys. They aren't the cleanest group. So mm-hmm. I always kind of give them some of the slightly older stuff so yeah. they can just beat the hell out of it. Right? I'm like, if you're going to beat it up, yeah. just beat it up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. But yeah, so the, the off season, you know, I was just off the top of my head. I'm like, what are some events that go on during that time? If there's no weddings because it's too hot or there's like no music festivals or anything like that. Last August. These caterers, you know, they got to do something. Mm, not really well they're just hanging out this vacation or whatever
1: they may be they may be indoors right so they may be at an indoor venue where yeah maybe they're doing box lunches for 100 people Mm. they don't need me yeah you know yeah uh they need stuff where thing something needs to be cooked off for minimum 150 people
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: one caterer that's my number one client they'll bring in equipment for anybody Mm. mainly because they're like that's our level of standard yeah and if you yeah. want our food, like, we're going to cook it on site. Yeah, yeah. I am still blown away by caterers who will call me. Yeah. Be like, can I get a hot box for this 200-person wedding? I'm like, yeah, no problem. Like, where are you cooking the food? Oh, we're mm. cooking it in the morning in, at North Charleston. Mm. Okay, the event's on Edisto. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're just going to run it over there in hot boxes. I'm like, you're going to hot box food for an hour. Yeah. To put in a hot box. Yeah. Like, just order an oven. Right. Just cook it there. Yeah, yeah. Then you start getting into, like, DHEC regulation with, like, mm-hmm. is the food... I'm sure there's had to have been weddings where food oh, poisoning yeah. has been an issue and oh, everybody yeah. thinks it's the bar. Mm. They're like, we just got drunk. Mm. Because, oh, dude. <laughs> right? I've had yeah. phone calls where I'm like, that don't make sense, what, yeah. you, what you're asking me to do. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So if you ever get a caterer for an event, ask them if they're <laughs> cooking on site. I'm like Ask him if they're cooking on site or where they're cooking the food. Because you don't want to spend 20 grand for a wedding and yeah. be... Yesterday's leftovers.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I get that you got to prep for that stuff, but Mm -hmm. you can cook macaroni and cheese on site if you get there at three o'clock easily.
0: I know some of the people that like sell stuff at the farmers market. For example, they they like rent out kitchen space. They prep all their stuff. They take it to the farmers market ready to sell to the consumer. Sure. You know, I don't know how all that process works, you know. Yeah, a lot of those those guys will
1: have like a griddle or something where they're finishing, and that's okay. I'm okay with that, you know.
0: Well, I've seen caterers at the farmer's market, too, with equipment, which I guess might be their own equipment. Their own. Yeah, Yeah. they just have their own. Yeah. They take it to wherever they're going, you know. Or food trucks, too. People got a lot of food trucks these days. You know, they're towing everything around with them and all that kind of stuff. They're
1: required by state law to have that backup kitchen. Mm. They don't allow them to use their – Farmer's market space or, mm-hmm. or their food truck as their home kitchen. Mm. Which, I mean, I guess you could argue whether or not, but it'd be pretty tough for DHEC to track down a yeah. food You're mobile. Yeah. Like we yeah. know at least if where your prep stuff is, we can control that. Right. And they probably check the truck. Right. Uh, Duval Catering has a big space. They have like 20 kitchens or 14 kitchens. It's one big building, but it's really? 14 spaces. Oh, then you can just rent out a space. You rent out, the, you rent out yeah. your own oven range fryer. Yeah. You know, and then that's yours and yeah. your food truck stays up there. And then Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, actually, the, his when he, the, my neighbor when his oven went down, mm. he was having to rent space from Co. Mm. Cook everything and then run it back downtown. <laughs> oh, he said he, he said he had to slam on brakes and like one of the sauces got oh my it God. spilled in his car. Uh uh-uh. Got underneath his carpet. <laughs> the detail guys were here and they're like, man, there's like maggots down there. Oh. it was so bad. They're like, we're leaving.
0: That's when you learn to not have carpet in your truck. You
1: oh. know. <laughs> he says to the to the detailers, he's like. I don't care the cost. Just get these maggots get out of done. the car, dude. Oh my God, so nasty, dude. <laughs> and then he just passed it on to his to his boss. But yeah. There are options. I get phone calls all the time. Hey man, can I bring my stuff up to your kitchen and park there? And I'm like, that's not what we do, mm. you know? And mm. um, yeah. I feel like I've been on a tangent, man. Yeah. Like do you have That'd any questions? Good. I mean, like this is kind of how yeah, it good. rolls, just free flows. It just rolls, bro.
0: Talking about business, bro. I'll tell you what, you've been in other businesses too. So you've had the candle, you've had the event kitchen, and you've been in real estate for a little bit.
1: I mean, as a right. as a personal, so I've had right when I got out of college, I was actually working for a local real estate company here in in town, yeah, part time. Yeah, uh, was in school full time and was playing soccer at the College of Charleston. So I would pick up shifts at this marketing department, mm-hmm. just trying to understand real estate in the late '90s here in Charleston. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, that's kind of what got me on the road to mm-hmm. buying as an individual, yeah. just trying to buy property. I got. When I in 2006, I read a book at Barnes and Noble. Yeah, 2005, 2006. Buy a house a year for 10 years and you'll be set for life. Mm-hmm. It's like that sounds like an easy plan. Yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I did not have a cash reserve on any house. Mm. I literally bought all three houses 100% down, 80 20 mortgages, like winging it. <sighs> People, my tenants would call, Hey, the pipes, something happened. I'd be like, Uh, mom, can I get some money to fix this? <laughs> I, did, I did not yeah. run it like a business, I ran it like as passive as I was living in Hawaii, I, yeah. like, and then people would call me in Hawaii, and I'd be like, it would take two days to get things fixed because right, you're in Hawaii time, six it's hours halfway across the world, yeah, and it just, I just. Well, that was your first
0: step in a kind of entrepreneurship, right? Because yeah. you were like, you were trying to like create profit doing that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That uh, sold one way. of those houses, lost one of those houses in 2008 during the downturn. And mm-hmm. I we're sitting in the first one I bought right now. Yeah. Um,
0: you were just buying different properties. And yeah. Were you renting them out or your yeah, plan renting was Yeah, them out. Yeah, that was the plan. Uh,
1: 2008, when I lost that one, which was obviously economic downturn, mm-hmm. uh, James Island, a lot of these condos got built. Mm-hmm. And in like 2006, like all the ones by the connector. Yeah. And they sold them as condos, not they weren't apartments. Yeah. So everybody was buying these things because real estate was starting to boom. Yeah. Well, when the downturn hit, all these people who own secondary homes and condos were renting out these brand new built units for nothing. I couldn't compete in that market mm. for what my mortgage was. Yeah. In hindsight, I mean, I was 25 at the time. I'm 44 in a couple months. Like, In hindsight, I should have gone and gotten partners and mm. been like, let's just hold on to these things forever and figure mm. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or just had a cash reserve <laughs> or like just moved into it myself and yeah. scraped by. Cause I mean, it was a, I was buying outside of my comfort zone mm. because hell, I was a mortgage broker, man. At that time I was a mortgage broker. Oh, really? I was writing my own mortgages. Yeah. Like, I mean, within the law, but yeah. I was giving myself every inch of leeway to buy well outside of well out the peak of my window. Right. 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 And then when that 08 hit and I had a girl come, she was a former tenant, moved to Fort Lauderdale mm. August thirty first, two thousand eight, which September was when everything hit the bed. Mm-hmm. She calls me the day before she's supposed to move and she's like, We're not moving in. We found one of those condos for six hundred bucks. Dang. It's got a swimming pool, gym, yeah. Everything. I'm like yeah. ah. <laughs> fifteen hundred bucks a month when yeah. I couldn't afford. And yeah. There was also two hundred and fifty dollars a pool at that house. It was seventeen fifty a month. And then I'm like, I mean, I was fading fast. And, yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm like and I was out of state.
0: Yeah. Train wreck, you know?
1: Train wreck. You know, mm. cash reserves yeah. would have, and, and we were talking about Bigger Pockets earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Trench, who who's the host of Bigger Pockets Money, he's just like, he never tells people to buy without having like six months cash reserves for the house, mm. you know? And like, that's mm-hmm. so smart. And I definitely did not do that. And yeah, I paid the price, you know? And
0: You learned a lot though. Learned a lot.
1: Yeah. Ended up keeping the second house for a long time. Sold it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Stupid move again. Should have kept it. But mm. I just, that was right around actually the bike trip time. Oh, okay. Which
0: yeah, and events kitchen was going on.
1: Event kitchen was going on. Dude. <laughs> I was broke, man. Had a lot of I was, shit going on. I had a, one lot, time. Had a lot of shit going on. And I was broke, <laughs> and actually on that bike trip, if you, I, I monitor my monthly net worth now. I, mm. I didn't then. Yeah, because it would just would have been really just adding up credit card debt. Yeah. and tax bills that I owed. Yeah, I was the most in debt that I had ever been in my personal life. Mm. The day that that trip started.
0: Did you have like a game plan to get yourself out of that debt? I did
1: not, but I I realized going on that trip that it was going to be such a lifestyle shock. Mm -hmm. I went into it realizing that, like, day 45, there was going to be a completely different person than day one. Mm. I didn't know what was going to happen out of it, you know? Uh, I knew I'd. I was bartending, so they gave me time off of work. Mm-hmm. The vent kitchens wasn't doing anything, so I had time off work. And the candles, I didn't really work August anyways because mm. it got so hot at farmers markets that it would literally melt the candles. Oh my god! Just pools of <laughs> wax or pools of liquid <laughs> wax. Yeah. So I didn't really work August there. And what I, the first couple weeks of that bike trip, I didn't listen to anything. It was just like silence in my head on the road Mm. and what people don't realize about those bike trips you aren't really looking at anything you're looking at your partner's tire in front of you because you're so tight to that tire on the peloton you i mean you go two feet off the wind's gonna get you you got to stay two inches off the tire Mm. you know so you're having to watch that you're not looking there'd be times i'd look up and there'd be 100 cows right beside me i'd never even knew it until just looking up right Yeah. yeah and uh i lost my track there for a second you're
0: your following your your uh, the first couple of weeks of that.
1: Oh yeah, trip. yeah. And so I like paid attention. I I wasn't even really great at being in the peloton. Like the two guys would leave me, and then they would wait at the top of the hill. Yeah. About day eight, I was able to like link up with the group of guys and stay with them. Yeah. Pull. What you don't realize is like that guy in the front is doing all the work. Mm. I just wasn't physically strong enough to bike with these guys yet. Mm. One was training in Denver for three months. The other guy was an Olympic ski coach, mm-hmm. and I was riding a beach cruiser. <laughs> On James Island, which <laughs> is zero elevation. We climbed 10,000 feet in the first three days. Yeah, that's insane. I would go from telephone pole to telephone pole and then get off the bike and rest for like three minutes and yeah. then go to the next one and rest. Careful. Go to the next one and rest. Plus
0: the bike's weighted down Ooh, with all your equipment. So heavy. You know? <laughs> well, that was like a transformative process for you?
1: You know, yeah. I think once I got out of like the, the seven days of hell, mm-hmm. it took till Buffalo. We literally rode across the entire state of New York and then I finally was like, oh, I feel all right, which... Mm. Goes to show you, the human body is, it is a machine, man.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I went from not being cross-country bike shape to mm-hmm. being in top shape in seven days. Mm. It was bizarre.
0: That's crazy. It was wild. What were you
1: eating? You had beef jerky
0: on the go or something?
1: You know, by the end of that trip, we were eating vegetarian almost 100%. Really? really. And it was, it actually put me on about a two-year 90% vegetarian diet. What the heck? Man, it was all about fuel. Mm. You know, and it's like a ton of processed food isn't mm, fuel. Right. You know, it, it is calories, but it's right. not what you need. Not
0: good calories. Not good
1: calories. You know. We would get into some of these small towns. We'd walk around the grocery store and we'd meet back up at the cash register. Not a single one would have anything in their hand. Mm. And you're like, what are we going to eat tonight, man? Mm. We'd go get a bag of carrots, some bell peppers, some apples, mm. celery. Mm-hmm. One, we're camping. We can't grab a microwavable pizza. Right. Right. But two, when we would get in the North Dakota, Monta- Eastern Montana, you know, when we got into Western Montana, you got into like Bozeman, Missoula area, you had restaurants, but in these other areas, mm. you were hitting the grocery store, if you were lucky, by the time it shut down at five, mm. it was some of these, it was, the towns were so small, they mm. were like, they knew you were passed through, they're like, the swimming pool and the showers are like three blocks down, you can just, you can put your tents up in the grass, like welcoming it. Yeah. And it's, it's known in the books that you can do that. Mm. What we ended up finding was, we just started going so heavy vegetarian based mm. because we would started rating our meals post meal. We'd mm. get back on the bikes thirty minutes in. Yeah, you'd rate it like fuel. Oh, nice. Right, like yeah. so, gasoline. You go get eighty seven. Mm. That's your just your regular unleaded. Mm. Then you've got ninety three and ninety six or whatever. Right. You know whatever those numbers are. Right. We would basically rate them on that scale, mm. and we started finding that vegetarian based meals. We're putting us in the higher octane, really, of that trip. I'll say, yeah. <clears throat> a friend of mine I used to work with we used to call it lunch butt. It's like where you go to lunch and you have a heavy meal, maybe yeah. get a burger and fries. Yeah, you go sit back down at the desk and like, <laughs> shit, you want to just doze <laughs> yeah, off, exactly. Yeah. And I'm not saying that meat wouldn't have got given us fuel. Mm-hmm. I'm saying our bodies were reacting to those meals mm. at a much higher output when they were vegetarian based.
0: That's crazy. Was it like belt like you said, bell peppers, carrots, oh, like, we'd just go uh, right. we, we spinach. Yeah. You know?
1: Anything on the outside, anything from the produce aisle or on yeah. the outside of the grocery store. Yeah. Obviously we'd get bars and stuff for the road, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know, granola bars, and yeah. some beef jerkies and stuff. But yeah. it's so funny though, man. Like you go on a three or four day hike, you can eat beef jerky and those bars and fruit and stuff like that for three to four days straight. That's fine. You do for yeah. forty four days. That's a long time. You don't want to see a cliff bar ever again. <laughs> you know, and you're like Yeah.
0: Uh, Plus, I mean, biking, dude, is intense. Like, your whole lower body is just, well, your whole body in general, but your lower body just pumping those pedals. You know, whenever I bike, my quads, like, start firing up at a certain point.
1: I got home, and uh, when I saw Jess for the first time, I sat down on the couch, and I went to stand up, and I felt my quads grab, Mm. and I go, touch that. (laughs) It was like touching this table. (laughs) She's like, there was zero give. It was insane. I was home three or four days and went and played. I play in men's soccer soccer. yeah and we had a a sunday league game and i went and played
0: you kicked it and you like kicked it through the stadium pulled both
1: quads literally off the whistle what i went to push to run i had not run in 45 days what i had only done a bicycle motion yeah yeah and i I mean within a couple days both quads had healed pretty quickly (sighs) but i felt it run up like from my (gasps) knees to my groin
0: oh my god
1: yeah. Any questions that you've been wanting to ask? Last thing I, I want to
0: last thing I want to ask you before we wrap it up. Are we good? Um, before we wrap it up, is uh, as far as like learning business wise, are there people that you watch or listen to or look up to as far as how you're trying to develop yourself and developing your business and that kind of stuff? You know, mentors or anything like that.
1: Sure. I mean, over time, I have. <clears throat> I've probably. This is one thing that I've, I've kind of not been great at is reaching out for help mm. uh, even just like all the way down to hiring employees it's yeah, like yeah. I just want my hands on it yeah um, I've never reached out to like a focus group or a mentor here I've done a, when I was doing the candle stuff uh, um, I listened to a ton of podcasts, mm. and this candle, kind of, podcasts. Candle, podcasts. candle podcast again candle podcast candle podcast and there, Gary V was kind of coming of age at oh, the time, yeah. you know, and yeah. like it right when he was getting huge, like super popular and, mm-hmm. you know, just listening to his stuff where I don't really need much motivation, like going and being a business guy. I think it's mm-hmm. just kind of innately like in my... You
0: just like getting after it, dude. Uh, yeah. just like having ideas.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, when I worked nine to fives the first time around, right out of college with a real estate company, it lasted yeah. nine months. Yeah. told them I was going to grad school in Hawaii. They threw me a luau party. I was <laughs> not going to grad school in Hawaii. <laughs> I was going traveling in Australia. I was just so nervous to tell them I was leaving. Right, right. Came back from that trip, worked with the sister company, the mortgage company, mm. and lasted 13 months. And I have I have not worked in an office since I was 23, mm. I think it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have a 9 to 5 per se just because yeah. of this job. But yeah, yeah. Um, I tend to just follow I, – I tend to consume a ton of content on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um
0: I think that's the beauty of the uh, age we live in now is that information is available. It's just available via, via podcast or YouTube.
1: Yeah. And I, I listen, I consume a ton of podcasts. Mm. And a lot of times it's not even business based, it's just mm. informational based. Like yeah. yours and Jess's was super informational, just understanding your mentality around dogs. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just listen to, like this morning, I was listening to James Comey, from the former FBI director. Mm-hmm. Just him getting interviewed, and it's just like I just yeah. kind of want to hear from people smarter than me, like yeah. what they did, and yeah. eventually, hopefully, there's one piece of advice that I can take away in life that I can kind of bring into my business. I'll yeah. say this though, like I am an entrepreneur. Yeah, I do have a business. I really more so want a lifestyle than I want to ever be known as a businessman. Like mm-hmm. I actually think I'm really bad at business. I mean, if I, I'm, I, most businessmen probably are on a roller coaster of emotions when mm-hmm. it comes to how well they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think I've got the ability just to execute and not get embarrassed. Like, that's kind of my mm. my mentality yeah. or my mantra don't get embarrassed. Mm. So, I'll do everything in my power to make sure that the job's done right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to look bad, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I also don't want to build a business like my brother's got. Mm. You know, like, yeah. I know you got 20 something employees, yeah. right? Like, yeah. that's scary to me. Like, yeah, that scares the absolute shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I have, it like it, it doesn't even register on my radar. I'm yeah. good with being a solopreneur. Yeah, I got one cleaner who works four hours a week with me. Yeah, uh, he cleans the equipment at the warehouse. I do need a delivery guy, but it's like mm. I worked 31 hours two weeks ago, and it was the fourth busiest week of our season. Whew. 31 hours. That's now, not that's, that bad. That's not, not clocking at in all. 40 yeah. hours at a at a at a at an office and right. doing 20 hours worth of work. That's yeah. 31 hours of plowing through, getting after it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's not, how do you hire? We're talking about bringing somebody in. How do I hire somebody and be like, "Hey, man, listen. The fourth busiest week, you're only going to work 30 hours.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Well, what am I going to yeah. do in the slow weeks?
0: Right, right.
1: How do I pay somebody 60 grand a year to not work in August, right, or January, right? Because we don't get phone calls in January either.
0: Yeah, definitely, a, definitely a.
1: Uh, it's a weird pocket. Right. It's a weird. It's a weird hiring. It's almost like I need a strong retired guy because yeah. these ovens are heavy. They're 600 pounds. Yeah. Who's just got.
0: Heck, hire that a uh, seventy three year old guy you met on the mountain. You right, know?
1: <laughs> that dude's a beast. Obviously, <laughs> he is. Man, that was incredible.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting uh, dynamic with with your business. You know, with uh, your seasons, and then you know the the actual operation. Sure. And then, you, like you said, like uh, if you were to pay someone a salary to retain him the whole year, that would definitely be a different dynamic for the business. Sure. You know what I'm saying. I guess at that point, I
1: just need to decide if like the nut that I would get at the end of it is worth just not working in it. Right. And and I do believe that it is. It's just finding.
0: Well, if you if you if you kind of get out of your uh, day in and day out operation, it gives you more ability to like try to work on more business stuff, depending on if you want to grow it or whatever. But also when you grow it, you have more problems. You know, you have more expenses coming up. So it kind of depends on you know, like your overall goal, which you've already said, you don't want to be like this big business. You kind of like where you're at, but maybe adjust a few things, you know? Yeah. Which I think is like a challenge of entrepreneurship in general, like figuring out where you want to be figuring out, you know, cause I think a lot of businesses, they start getting super big. They start to lose quality. You know what I'm saying? hundred percent. Not good to go. You know that's always, saying?
1: that's always been my fear. Right. And it's been something that I've struggled with coming to terms with because you know i look at some big rental houses here in town Mm -hmm. i work on site with their employees Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. when there's guys putting up tents they work for the other company right and i see the they've got some good people over there they've got some really bad ones Mm -hmm. right and it's like that's not the talent pool i want to have on site yeah i don't want them treating my equipment the way they're treating that equipment right uh you know, and we're dealing with propane here, man. Like that's some scary stuff. Like yeah. people get nervous. You yeah. know, ten years, luckily, knock on wood, we've had zero issues with we've Explosions. had a few things catch on fire, yeah. you know, that they've been able to put out, like a tent caught on fire one time. Just, <laughs> you know, a line blew off the back of one of the things and just yeah. But smartly these guys were able to solve it on site. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's like I I, in the year of saying no, like I'm mm. eliminating headaches. Like mm. that's what this whole year is about. And yeah. It's like yeah. Honestly, if it doesn't kind of fit that mantra, I don't. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I want. At this point, thirty. When I saw thirty-one hours is what I worked the other, the other week. I'm like,
0: that's not bad at all. Not bad at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm exhausted. It's Mm -hmm. thirty-one real hours of physical labor, and yeah,
0: I mean, you're busting your ass the whole time. Sure, you know, you're getting your workouts in, just moving the equipment.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, but I do think that for the business, that bringing somebody in. To help with deliveries, mm-hmm. which I've had for the last couple of years, yeah, is smart because it is so nice just to be able to do the six thirty to eight a.m. shift on a Saturday and then hand the truck off instead right. of going six thirty to noon, right? You know, but right if if I went six thirty to eight and I didn't work eight to twelve, then I'm only working twenty seven hours of that week. You know, yeah. it's like that's okay, but yeah. it's like, yeah, man, you pull. I mean, I'm at 43, 44, Like that's like being retired, man. Yeah. You got to have some shit to fill that gap yeah. or you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where you get when you, when you do follow that Tim Ferriss four-hour work week deal and you finally get down to four hours. Like, mm. well, what do you do the other 36? Yeah.
0: I mean, honestly, I'm not the kind of guy that wants to work four hours. I, 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 I like, like working. Yeah, I hate my job. I'm I'm kind of like a uh, busybody, you know. Yeah. what I'm
1: saying. <laughs> I mean, people ask me all the time, "Do you like what you do?" I I ask, I, I do not like it. Really? I mean, it is yeah. this is not a passion project. Yeah. I mean, we are not out here saving lives, renting yeah. out ovens. You know, I yeah. get it. It is a means to an end, and it's yeah. a great means to an end. And we we're talking about real estate and Airbnbs earlier. Mm-hmm. So I've got 14 ovens, mm-hmm. 10 ranges, 15 fryers, yeah. 10 hot boxes. Yeah. The minimum those things rent for on a nightly basis would be 200 bucks. Mm. Then they go up to 375. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, you look at beach houses; they're going for five hundred bucks a night. Yeah. And you got to deal with twelve people staying in it, cleaners, rental fees, service fees, Pipe air, pipes bursting, pipes yeah. bursting, like, yeah, everything. And it's like, I can rent these ovens for four hours and make three seventy five and pick it up by eight o'clock. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, and spray it off with some Windex and send yeah. it out. Hell, there's some weekends I'll drop it off on a Friday. X cater will use it on Friday night. Mm-hmm. I'll go there and wipe it down, and the next cater will come in Friday night or Saturday night and mm-hmm. use it that night. Yeah. It doesn't move. Yeah. that's a good deal right there love it yeah you know and when you start talking about dollars per hours per event it's like that's what i want to book yeah you know i don't want to pick that oven up and take it 40 miles in the other direction
0: yeah what is your passion if you don't like if you don't if you don't really have like a passion for the uh like you do the ovens and all that but like if you're passionate what is your like actual passion other than fishing we know you like fishing you get that YouTube up to like a million, then you're good to go. Million, yeah, right. million subscribers, mm-hmm. you know? We only need
1: 999,000 and 26 more. You know, I think that's something that, you know, when we go through stages in our lives, I think mm-hmm. that's something that we end up coming up against. My cousin and I talk to him pretty regularly on a, you know, multi-times-a-week multi, multi basis. Mm-hmm. We talk about business a lot. He and I kind mm-hmm. of... Almost to our sales are running a very similar path,
3: mm.
1: and I he called me yesterday. I'm like, man, I was going to tell you, like, I kind of been struggling mentally, like, mm. where I like, like, where the true challenge is in my life right now. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs or problem solvers do. Mm-hmm. They see a problem, they solve it. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what, man? I don't need to solve any more oven rental problems. Right. Like that's been solved. Right. I, I told Jess I, I blindly in I was driving home having this imaginary conversation, if Mm -hmm. I hired somebody, how I would walk them through fixing an oven for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I did it in my car. I broke down every single step and I'm like, I got to get this out of my brain into somebody else's brain because Mm -hmm. I've, I've solved it so far Mm -hmm. that I could literally blindfolded fix this problem. Yeah. My time's up. My time isn't needed here anymore. You know? And like, I just need to recognize that, Maybe I've built a business that can be managed by somebody else and I just need to go find that challenge somewhere else. I'd love to grow that YouTube. I'd love to fish full time. I, yeah. I don't want it to be my job mm-hmm. because I think I would, you know, I see a lot of these YouTubers that they have to fish all the time. It's like, I don't right. want to have to do that. Man. Right, right. I just want to be able to go do fun stuff. like My buddies this weekend, my college roommate, he lived in this house with me, just got hired as the New York Red Bulls in the MLS soccer oh, there, he's their head coach. He's 38 oh, heck. years old. Yeah. What the heck? My that's buddies cool. we're going up there this weekend to go get a full on locker room field. What? I mean, he's the head coach, man. Like you can get Dude, whatever you want. That's awesome. And he's, they're texting me this morning. We're going up to watch the game this weekend. And I'm like, and I don't even have that much stuff going on this weekend, but yeah. I don't have somebody here to yeah. run it. I could have easily been on that trip yeah. with the with the right person. And yeah. it's like, I think, man, as I'm getting older in life, it's like, that's what I want to be passionate about. Yeah, is be able to have a business that can sustain a lifestyle that mm-hmm. lets me go, do the things that matter. Right, like that matters. Supporting my friend who's a, who's only a month into his first ever. He's in the he's an elite coach, mm. you know, in, in yeah. this in this country with opportunities to continue to grow. And yeah, it's like, that's I, badass, dude. Right. Yeah, oh, that's I, like, badass. And I as I text my cousin, I'm like, When's the last time you've known a head coach of any major league sport? Yeah. Yeah, you got to take advantage of getting up there and oh yeah, seeing this guy and
0: that. I think, dude, uh, with what you're saying about it not being your passion, you know, and that you know if you have other stuff going on you would like to do. I think you really need to think about your system and how you can like get your business to automate itself to where you have key people in place, which is going to involve building out like that process that you said you had in your head about how to cl- how to tear apart an oven, clean it repair it and put it back together. Like I know, you know, I'm not a big business guy or anything, but like, as I was trying to grow uh, the dog training stuff, it's like, I literally would be on my laptop. I'd be writing up a procedure. I was in the Navy. Yep. So in the Navy, we have uh, what are called maintenance repair cards, MRC cards for every piece of equipment. Okay. So if I'm going to repair a radio, for example, or take apart a rifle, for example, I pull the MRC card And from start to finish, number one, number two, it like literally spells out exactly what to do, like every minute detail. Mm. And so what I did whenever I had my business and I'm starting to add employees, I literally built MRC, maintenance repair cards, but I call them pre-planned responses and procedures for every single thing that has to be done. Cleaning a kennel. Sure. Putting a leash on a dog, like everything that seems stupid and common sense, it's not. You know, and and my opinion was like, or my thought process was like, if I want the most efficient and safe, because we're dealing with live animals, some that are dangerous, you know, I'm saying if we want an efficient and safe business, everyone has to know these procedures. Right. So I literally took the time and it took me forever. Yeah. And we, I revise them multiple times a year, even today, sure. you know, but we write step number one is this step. Number two, step number three, if there's a fire, do X, Y, Z. If a dog bites you, this is what you have to do. You know, if a dog won't come out of its kennel, this is what you have to do. If you're a trainer and you go pick up a dog from someone's house and this happens, you have to do boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. Right. So literally wrote all that out. And then I was like, okay, now that I have this, now I can start hiring people and training them to this. Sure, You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the other difficult part for me was like quality. Like we talked about earlier, I want quality versus quantity. Mm -hmm. So I have a certification process for my trainers and it takes like eight to 12 months to certify a trainer. And I have three certified trainers right now, one apprentice. I've had over five people attempt to become certified, but they either quit themselves or I had to let them go because they didn't meet the standard. Hmm. And those conversations are super hard to have, Sure, but it's like a quality thing, you know what I'm saying? And a training thing too. So I'm like, like what you said, I don't want someone to go out and uh, bang up my equipment. You know, I don't want someone to go out and misrepresent me as event kitchen owner. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, in my head, when I was doing that for trainers, it was like, I have to build a process that can take someone from, ground zero that knows nothing about dogs or ovens or whatever even how to operate a truck i have to build a, a qualification process for how to drive my box truck i have to create a qualification process to load the box truck and strap everything down like i had to dumb it down to the the most basic thing sure and then train them to that and then once i train them to it have a qualification that's like okay now you have to demonstrate all this to me three times four times whatever mm-hmm. There might be a written test, there might be a verbal test, whatever, you know. And so I went through all that, built it, and then had to revise it multiple times. Still revising it every year. I revise those types of things, and then that, and then also for like uh, trainers, for example, like one of my apprentices has come here before uh, to meet with Jesse doing dog training stuff, and you may have seen them too. But it's like they have to do so many ride-alongs to to know the language, right? their default is not to talk like I would talk to you or that you would talk to one of your clients. So you have to be with me X amount of times. You have to be able to talk like me. Sure. Think like me, you know, and uh, then, you know, for what we do, I think for like a trainer and like someone that probably operates your equipment, I would try to tie that pay that they're getting to like the work they're doing. So some type of commission type pay. Sure. So if there's a down season you know, then there might be little pay coming in because the commission is linking them to their sales or whatever. However yeah. you want to do it, you know. I,
1: <clears throat> I kept my guy on on salary. Yeah, even on the. Do- I mean, he.
0: Yeah, and that can benefit a lot of people too. You know, but as you start growing, that 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 problem set gets a little bit more difficult. I think. Yeah, so. with one
1: guy, it's pretty easy to supplement eight yeah. weeks of pay. I mean, he was on. He was making like ten grand a year as like a part-time delivery guy. Yeah. You know, so we're talking maybe a thousand bucks that was paying out. Yeah. But it was almost like a reservation yeah you know, like hey man like i'm paying you a thousand in the right. in august because i need you here in september right right and he even told me he's like man those off it's so nice to have that paycheck come in on those yeah those off weeks because or the the down period because yeah. he, he's like man it's tough to go find other work
0: right right again that, it, just that's,
1: go, it just goes straight how hard it is to hire that person because right. for eight weeks you might not do anything
0: right? i know and that's the thing i had to do with my people is like as soon as i hire them i start financial training with them so it's like hey oh. do you have a budget do you have an emergency fund? If not, if do you have debt? Interesting. You need to think about your personal finances because personal and professional are interlinked to a certain degree. Yeah. And I even train my hourly employees, which are just my assistants, on financials. You know, what I'm saying through what,
1: like uh, just myself. Yeah.
3: I actually <laughs> I
0: built like a document, like a PDF, and I'm like, hey, here's what, here's some principles that I've used in my life to help me, you know, get some financial freedom by having financial discipline. You yeah. know, what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, it helped me. So maybe it'll help you. And that's up to them what they do, you know, but sure. I'm trying to give you information to be ready for that rainy day. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So anyway, that's some well, stuff I, that I've tried.
1: I think that's smart from a business owner because if you can keep your employees financially stable, oh yeah, they're not going to go looking elsewhere either. Well,
0: plus I don't want to see people struggle. Like I struggled for a while sure. financially, you know, like, sure. uh, going to college, you get debt. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Getting, uh, like going into the Navy, you start getting paychecks. You're like, I got all this freaking money, you know, and then you get into debt, you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, I made a bad, a lot of bad decisions. And, uh, of course, like, uh, me and Ben were brothers and our dad did talk to us about finances growing up, but you don't listen to your parents like you should, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, there was like another guy that was in the military that kind of coached me on fi- some financial stuff. <laughs> and luckily I listened to him. Sure. You know, So I'm like, well, hopefully someone will take what I'm saying, and not that I know everything, not trying to say I know everything, not trying to say I'm a financial advisor, but some things to think about, to, depending on what your goal is or whatever. That's what I tell them.
1: I'm on board 100% with that. Actually, to go back to the bike trip, I, when I didn't listen to music, what I started mm-hmm. listening to when I was in the most debt I was ever in was Dave Ramsey. Oh, yeah. And what yeah, I would I listen to stress. on them, I would listen to hours of yeah. people calling into the call-in show. Being <laughs> he hammers
0: them, like, too, bro. He kills them, dude.
1: <laughs> He's like, you idiot. <laughs> I can't believe you spent that money. But what it did is it showed me, like, there are people just like me making the same dollar amount I'm making, mm-hmm. who are in the same amount of debt, mm-hmm. knocking this shit out in 13 months. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I just yeah. need to listen to a few more of these and yeah. understand how people knock debt down and understand, mm-hmm. oh, let's start looking at, I didn't follow, I didn't read his books, I didn't mm-hmm. follow his snowball, I didn't mm-hmm. follow any of that. I was bartending, mm-hmm. and then every night, 250 bucks came in, paid off credit card, 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. I would keep 50 for like some yeah. groceries, but yeah. mind you, I had event kitchens and the candle business, but. Yeah,
0: you go down to minimal like sp- expenditure, <clears throat> you know. Me and my wife did the same thing when we were getting out of debt. We were eating peanut butter and jellies three times a day to survive. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and it, it sucks going through that process. It sucks getting yourself out of debt. But I think one of the coolest things when you do do that, what you don't realize you're building during that time frame is a very strong discipline to your finances mm-hmm. so that when day zero comes mm-hmm. where you've paid off that debt, and I say zero because now you can start building right. on, on day one with right. positively, all that money you're dumping into debt mm-hmm. that you lived without the last 13 months, you can start building a nest egg. Mm-hmm. And the, the swing from being the most debt I've ever been in my life to mm-hmm. being my highest net worth yeah. is a very small window. Mm. When I started paying that stuff down, as soon as I hit zero, it was like, oh, mm. we can just start monthly automating that yeah. same dollar amount to go into investments. And then yeah. you start increasing that over time. And yeah. But I, I think... The, that financial side, man, I got yeah. like a whole another podcast. I mean, about what that. kind of
0: investments are you into?
1: So, um, I'm in through business. I've got SEP IRA, yeah, four, uh, and then also the Roth, a Roth IRA, yeah. Um, I use an Acorns account, or just a mm. brokerage account. That mm-hmm. they basically have five different tiers of investing. I'm in the fourth mm. one, which seems to be pretty heavy on like large stock, large mm. S and P stocks. You know, yeah. they do have international, large international, small international bonds. And then they have a small crypto uh, okay. fund as well. Yeah. Um, I started that Acorns account 13 years ago, $20 every Monday. Really?
3: Yeah.
0: And it grew pretty good.
1: I mean, at the end of this year, we should hit a pretty cool milestone. Nice. And I'm like... That's awesome. I'm like so ready. I, I'm, I'm So like,
0: 13 years of investing.
1: I think it's been 13, if I'm right. When did
0: you know when you noticed the... Uh, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but... They say that you really start to see the compound interest take effect around year eight or nine. Do you know if there was a significant upswing at a certain point in your investment portfolio?
1: Uh, Yep, basically around that point. Really? um, Okay. uh, It built, 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 and built. And then all of a sudden, you started kind of seeing more of a hockey stick Growth to it. That's cool. You could still
0: How'd you feel when you saw that? When you saw that, it happen. was
1: pretty cool to like log out and log back in. I mean, eventually you're checking it like daily. You're like, yeah. oh my god, I got forty one dollars. <laughs> oh my god, seventy two dollars. You know, when you start getting into like you know higher yes. numbers. You're not checking it every day, yeah. and then you go to check and you're like, oh, it's up five grand. Like, yeah. Oh, it's, you know, yeah. I'm actually at the point now where they they invest pretty heavily in VOO, which is Vanguard's S and P 500. Yeah. I'm um, to the point now where the dividends from that Acorns account. Yearly Mm -hmm. equals one month's contribution, Mm. right? So now every year I'm actually contributing 13 months worth of investments. I do my 12, but the dividends are that 13th month. It equals one more month's worth of investment. This year I'm hoping it bumps up to about a 14th month, so two extra months of investing. And yeah, you know, I've tried to play the stock market. I've definitely got some crypto and, uh, you know, and I've got some home run things that, you know, some things that I'm like, hey, it'd be awesome if those hit. But I think the Monday contribution to uh, Acorns will be eventually what I will be my nest egg. I don't think I'll never pull a dollar out of there until necessary.
0: Yeah. I have kind of like the same thing. I have a simple IRA with the business Mm -hmm. Roth IRA that I started way back when I was in the Navy. Mm -hmm. still doing that. And then I have like a Charles Schwab brokerage account where I just, I have a bunch of individual stocks and ETFs just based on my own research. Mm Mm-hmm. And I kind of break it down into two things. Like, I'm like, the, the Roth and the simple IRAs are like my long term because you can't touch those till you're like late 50s or whatever. Sure. You know, so like if you touch those ahead of time, you're getting penalized. Mm-hmm. So you ain't going to have that till later, you know. But that uh, brokerage account, kind of like your acorns, I think, I'm trying to, I'm putting as uh, much excess into that I can. And I basically do it every time I get a paycheck, which is twice a month. Go, I take a portion of that, it goes into there. And I'm trying to build a pretty good dividend portfolio with mm-hmm. the goal of replacing my current income sure. as rapidly as possible. You know, So mm-hmm. I've got some investments in there trying to build up the dividends and I should hit my mark here 15 years from whenever I started that account. I don't remember when it was, but I'm not at year eight or nine yet, but that's what I'm looking at is eight or nine is when the compound interest should take effect and those dividends are reinvested, you know, sure. so it's kind of like doubling down on what you're doing.
1: I uh, actually, when I pulled my dividends for acorns this year, I was curious what it was and mm-hmm. it was this 2022 when I was like, Oh, I got a full extra month of, yeah." you know, that's awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like, I got two extra free paychecks because yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. when I do get my paycheck, you know, the, the pay yourself first rule, it's like mm-hmm. my investment money comes out first and mm-hmm. then I get the scraps, you know, like right. personally get the scraps. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it was pretty cool. Maybe I went back and tracked like the last six years of dividends. Mm. I was like, let me just see what that was and see how much I'm jumping each year. Mm-hmm. And you could see the jump. I mean, it would be like fifty dollars this year, one hundred fifty <sighs> this year, two fifty this year. You nice. know? Yeah, that's cool. But that's I mean, hell, cool, you man. get my goal right now is I'm actually kind of looking at some of these ETS and particular stock dividends where I'm like, um, like, oh, the realty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. trying right now to get to. Oh yeah. Enough shares, which I think it's 244 or 232. It changed, mm-hmm. but it pays you out one share a month.
0: That's basically what I try to do. I pick out like a stock and I follow the YouTube channel Dividend Bull. I don't know if you've seen him.
1: Okay, I may, I may follow him on Twitter. I actually yeah. follow
0: DivTwit a lot. Okay, just, De- definitely check them. He's into like the high dividend payout okay. uh, uh, ETFs and stocks. Sure. And he goes into deep analysis on it. But anyway, so like Realty Income O is like one of those. Sure. It pays monthly and yeah. it's great. Yeah. Exactly. So I pick out like one and there's a bunch of them that are super cheaper, that are like cheaper too, because I know Realty Income sits around 60 bucks these days, right you know, and uh, what's well, down now, it's yeah. on sale, you know, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I put it, I
1: put in every quarter on that. So I'm okay. like, I'm like, man, I almost was, I almost pulled the trigger and bought some the other day when it dipped into the 59. So yeah. I'll wait. I'll, I'll stay on my every yeah. three months.
0: Yeah. But I, but I, I bought some other ones too that he, that the guy that runs that channel is talking about where it's like, you know, a cheaper amount. So I'll get that to start buying one share a month with its dividends. Sure. Once it buys its own share a month, I stop investing in that one. I pick another one. Exactly. It's kind of. I'm just trying to that. get them all on, on autopilot <laughs> going as long. As soon as they hit one share a month, boom, I'm, I'm investing in another one. And they, they build up pretty quick once you get them doing that. You know? It's the old set
1: it and forget it, you know? It's exactly like, um, exactly. You hear a bunch of these guys. I don't do you, are you on Twitter at all? Nah, not Twitter. No, there, yeah. there's a, if you follow the hashtags, there's like a div twit, mm. uh, for dividend Twitter, there's mm-hmm. RE Twit for real estate, there's mm-hmm. Fin Twit for financials. Like yeah, there's a wealth of knowledge out yeah. there, which is kind of where I started getting into dividend based mm-hmm. stocks because mm-hmm. I just saw these people you know, first year I got 50 bucks. Everybody laughed yeah. at me. Fifth year, I got 500. They said, okay, 10th year, I got five grand. They were right. like, what are you doing? Right. right. And so I was like, I just need to start. And at yeah. that one point I was like, oh, I just want 100 shares of VOO and 100 mm-hmm. shares of SCHD and mm-hmm. JPEI, you know, all the mm-hmm. all the basic.
0: All the big names. All the big name yeah. funds. Yeah.
1: And I'm still working towards that. But, yeah. you know, then I started thinking, I saw this one guy be like, well, if I get to 244 shares, I'll get one free share a month of mm-hmm. O." Oh, Or dividend-wise, I'm like, man, maybe that's what I should go after. And then let it just kind of set it for the next 30 years. Right, right. At some point, it'll double up. I
0: mean, it ain't a get-rich-quick thing, but it's like if you do the math, it like makes sense, sure. But know, what so.
1: what is good get rich quick? I mean, because we've all tried them, right? I mean, I mean,
0: you would think that real <laughs> estate's get rich quick. You know, that's what most people want you to believe. Sure, I don't really think that's the, I don't really think that's it. Like I said, me and my wife were looking into Airbnbs for a while, but it's like to me, it's just too much, too too many things, too many things going
1: on. No, you know, and I think too, like, like when you have a business like like you do, that is it. That is generating. That's generating good flow of cash, right? Like, why would. I'm not saying, why would you go take that on? Right. But it's almost like, why wouldn't I just focus this a little bit more exactly. until I can go do five more dogs a year exactly, and make the same net profit? Or right. I can go buy, rent hundred more ovens a year and yeah. make the same net profit. it's like-
0: I mean, Patrick, bet David, you know who that is? Valuetainment guy?
1: Yeah. I, I feel like I've seen stuff pop up more and more
0: on- I used to, I've watched him a lot. When I was building the business, I was watching him a lot. And uh, one of the things he was talking about was like, hey, you know, a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, they have like five, six or whatever ideas. Sure. How about you focus on one, get that stream to be solid. Then if you wanted to, you could move to another one, which is I mean, I
1: Kitchens is an uh, uh, incredible example of that. Yeah. The the moment I sold the candle company, which was two months after the other company didn't Mm -hmm. want to rent equipment anymore. Mm -hmm. And I still was bartending once or twice. Mm -hmm. But then I started picking up daytime events. And once I actually was like, all right. Event Kitchens is it. We're solid. Yeah, the, yeah, Let's just go with it. I mean, but yeah. hell, I've probably taken this way too slow. I mean, people probably look at me and be like, you didn't take debt. You didn't grow fast enough. Mm. You didn't buy trucks fast enough. You didn't I get think the same up. thing,
0: but it's like everyone has their own journey. And like uh, some people want to go that route where they're getting a bunch of crap at one time. They're taking on a bunch of debt. You know, obviously you're not that, I'm not that person. I don't have any business debt, you yeah. know? I mean, you're I, house
1: hacking, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I will at some point when I build more building space for the training, that'll definitely be the the big debt that I'll have to take on for that, which I'm okay with, you sure. know, making that calculated risk. But I was never one of those people that want to like go in like head first and having a bunch of debt, No. which a lot of people are like, you need to do that. You need to do this. And it's like, everyone has their own path and it's like what you're comfortable with and going at your own pace.
1: Agreed. You know? I kind of ran it from a, I'll buy the equipment Mm -hmm. when I sell it. So Mm -hmm. like I I said, I get those lists going into the seasons. Mm -hmm. There'd be some weekends where, especially in the beginning when I had six ovens, but Mm -hmm. I'd rent eight of them out. Mm -hmm. And I can see four months down the line, Oh, I have eight going out that day. Mm -hmm. Oops, I just booked booked another oven. Because these caterers (laughs) aren't talking to each other. They don't know. So like, they're just sending in their orders. Mm -hmm. And I'm not telling them, no, Mm -hmm. I only have six. I'm saying, oh, you need eight that day? I'll wait and see. Ooh, I got another one three weeks later with eight. All right, I'll buy the two more, and mm. I know that when I buy the two more, mm-hmm. I've already got four rentals on the books right. to pay for those things. Right, and chances are by the end of the season another weekend kicks Boom. up, and but you're I, definitely
0: I, putting them to use as you're getting them.
1: Oh yeah, and it was almost whenever I buy stuff, there's it has already been it has already been rented before it has been purchased. Yeah, I'm not buying things with the hopes of them being rented. Yeah, never. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think that's how I was able to stay ahead of the debt game too because yeah. I knew I was having 30% return in yeah. a month.
0: Yeah but if it ain't your passion bro you should honestly look at trying i don't want to call it like an exit strategy because what you what i try to do is like set it up to where you're still involved you know obviously you're managing the business but now you've got all your systems in place to where it's kind of built up you got people running it obviously for me uh hiring and firing has been like a for my training assistant position not my trainer position but the training assistant position it's a part-time position you know it's like uh that position can be super challenging. So like there will be times where I'm low on manpower and I got trainers working. I got people working extra hours and stuff. And then I have to go through a hiring process to build up the manpower again. Sure. If I hire five people, maybe three of those people end up working out. So then I have to hire more people, you know, so that is a headache that's like ongoing. Sure. If you're the person in charge of hiring and stuff like that, which you could push that on to, you know, train somebody else to do that. But for me, it's kind of like I'm still doing that, you know what I'm saying? But, but I I have a passion for the dogs, you know, so uh, yeah, it's be, a little bit different.
1: It'd know? be tough to be in that business and not – oh yeah you'd be the wrong you'd be the wrong person if you i think
0: doggy daycares man people are are like building these things and like they're taking i don't think that's a passion thing it's like to them it's like a money thing i think there's a couple of them that are yeah passion but most of the time i think it's like these people know that there's money in doggy daycares you know just trying to get the dogs in and out you know
1: yeah or they max them out you know right they're so expensive (laughs) it's (laughs) It's crazy crazy. they're everywhere i mean they're literally everywhere Like go just just to go drop your dog off for a couple hours for daycare. You're like forty yeah. bucks? Like yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Like I get it. Get the money if you can get it. Like And we were going to Dog Tired on Johns Island for a while. Yeah. I think it's what's called Dog Tired. Yeah. And it just got so expensive for daytime shit. I'm like, Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's just an example of business. I don't that's in dogs, I don't think is a passion thing. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, business gets complicated, man. So it's just all about going at your own pace and adjusting as you go but for me building out systems and trying to get to where I can be a better business owner you know because I don't think when I was like doing as much as I have in the past I wasn't really a good business owner so I wasn't able to take care of the people that were working for me that good but sure. now where I'm at right now I'm a better business owner I'm still doing a lot in the business you know cuz I think uh like some big entrepreneurs I've talked to They're like, you need to get out of working in the business and work on the business. That's what they say. Sure. So I'm still like in the business working. I'm still working on the business. I kind of like where I'm at right now. But I know to take better care of my people, I need to be more on the side of like being on the business than in the business. Sure. So, you know, so anyway, it's complex. It is so complex. You know, I I do. There's no right answer either. No, there's not.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think I'm aware that I need somebody in the truck with me. Yeah. If I can get somebody in the truck doing those extra hours, then. Yeah. I'll be fine. You know, it just yeah. depends on where I want to take it.
0: Yeah. Good to go, bro. Yeah, man. Well, appreciate your time. Hey, this Thanks was awesome. Coming out. Yeah, it was really cool. Real quick, at, uh, before we wrap up here, the podcast is sponsored by Canine Revolution Dog Training and Canine Revolution Apparel. So oh. we do have the the apparel. Nice. So if you want a good-to-go shirt, you can go to Amazon. Check that out. If you need dog training, you can hit us up. We'll help you out also event kitchen with Mark
1: yeah if you guys need some ovens or rentals you know let me know
0: yeah and the in the Charleston area is your primary right
1: yeah I mean we work Charleston but I mean I was in Polly's Island yesterday I'll be back in Myrtle Beach tomorrow I was in mm-hmm. savannah a couple times last last couple of weeks I mean, yeah I'll if it makes sense we'll go you know yeah. it's kind of been my mentality although this is the year of saying no so if your event does not fit in my schedule <laughs> I ain't doing it
0: you got any major uh, endurance athlete events coming up?
1: I don't. I got a buddy who's doing the twenty nine oh two nine. Yep. And I was chatting with him, and you're oh, coaching. I got them. the itch. Yeah, you're coaching. Them. I got the <laughs> itch to like do it again, but uh, no, I don't have anything this year. I think Jess and I are going to go hike out in Colorado for. Nice. Uh, we've got like a, meeting her family out there. Yeah. The last two years, we've done some really cool, like forty mile through hikes. We mm-hmm. did one in Colorado and then one in Washington State, and yeah, those are a lot of fun. Like five days camping overnight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, you know, point A to point B, no loops, yeah. just in and out, and yeah. But that's No, nothing friend. this year. This year kind of, the last two years have been good. This year I'm kind of taking it easy. and going to do some traveling, business, with family, and then, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that challenge that I'm looking for, it may be that I do just like doing those physical exertion challenges, yeah. you know, and maybe that's what, I just need more of those in my life to like, Yeah. I don't know, I'm an you athlete. Ever, you
0: ever hike the uh, Palmetto Trail? You know that one? No, but I know of it, right? It's yeah, like, it like goes the whole state, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. From, uh, I think, like, low country all the way up to Greenville.
1: I know they do that. There's a bike trip, and they also do a, a road race that they do. Oh, really? The Palmetto 200. I think they do. They mm-hmm. basically start at the Upstate and then finish on the coast. And I have not done that. Yeah,
0: that'd be easy for you. I guess, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely on a you do court. that in a day. You know, <laughs> any of those things you got to train for. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you still got the bike too. I Just do have put it. Put some WD-40
1: on <laughs> it. Yeah, need <laughs> it needs to go back to track. Is what it needs
3: to. <laughs> huh.
0: So good to go. I did like hearing you talk about how your ovens were made in America. Yeah. And we support America. Yeah. So these uh, these drinks right here, Clean Energy, made in America, sourced in America, uh, made by Jocko Fuel. Which so Jocko
1: Willenick, right? Yeah,
0: Jocko yeah. Willink, yeah. yeah. So if anyone wants to support themselves and support America, they can go to jockofuel.com. Use uh, promo code SINGER101 for 10% off. You'll be good to go. You'll have the clean energy and your support in America. Nice. So anyway, thank you, Mark. Appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate it. Thanks and, y'all uh, for coming here. And yeah, Absolutely, man. Thanks for having for you. us.
1: I'll yeah, say man. when I listen to Jess and your podcast, one, your voice on radio or on podcast is like top notch. You like it? And is too. <laughs> I mean, well, you yeah. you obviously have like a, a tone to your voice that is mm. very easy to pick up audio wise. Mm. And I was actually thinking yesterday, I was like, I wonder if he sings at all. Do you sing at all? In the shower. No, I mean, but like not, you've never like... Uh, oh, not for no, like, oh, I, had done, I or, have done karaoke. Okay. I have done some karaoke. Well, that's not good? <laughs> no, it's not I good. I miss
0: some of the notes as my as yeah, I have enough. to get up in the nope. uh, pictures or whatever. That is, because you're
1: in that lower <laughs> register, yeah. <laughs> no, I just was thinking, you hear podcasts and like, it, it can be tough to get through the podcast because mm. the actual person speaking mm. doesn't realize they don't have a radio voice or yeah, it right. hasn't been trained, you know? Right, right. Uh, no, actually, the quality is super, super good. And-
0: Appreciate it. Well, that's Ben, the audio engineer. Oh, awesome. Ben's kind of the jack of all trades. You know, he's creating the uh, social media videos. He's recording the videos. Okay. He's engineering the audio. He's editing the videos. That's a full-time job. I, come up, I come up some with some uh, crazy-ass ideas, <laughs> and he has to, like, put them together, you know? It's good to have a Have you guy seen the car wash team? video? Have you seen the car wash video? I don't think I've seen Bro, it. Bro, I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> okay. We can do a rerun on your truck. We'll, we'll wash your box truck for you. <laughs> what do you
1: guys do? Just
0: video it? Yeah, we're just basically in uh, Speedos washing the, uh, oh. the trucks. So. Oh, fair enough. I've not seen that. I definitely have not seen we'll that. We'll definitely send it to you.
3: <laughs>
0: but uh, we did just uh, expand the production team a little bit. So Nice. Because the, uh, the editing that he's doing is a little bit out of hand, so we had to bring another guy on part-time. Sure. And uh, he's actually an alumni from the dog training. Oh, right on. So he's on part-time. Hopefully, we can grow it a little bit and get some more work for him. So
1: I mean, just doing my fishing videos. I mean, I'll spend Dude. eight hours editing. Yeah. I mean, it, people don't realize it. They're like, oh, put out more videos. I'm like, man, it took me yeah. three days in the field <laughs> filming and another eight hours in my house Yeah. for literally yeah. no money. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this for years for no money. It's just me trying to build, like, family videos. Yeah. That's it.
0: That's your passion project. Bro. That is it. You know, you it's know?
1: actually the last two big hikes we've done in Colorado and Washington. I did. Basically a, a daily vlog mm. of the trip, so you can see his hike. You all post
0: five- them on that same channel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And um, the 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 Washington State one, when I, as soon as I got back last fall, my mm. um, guy Nick moved out of town, so I basically started running the business on my own, and mm. my YouTubing has
0: gone down. Oh, gone yeah. way
1: down. But the first two days of that hike are up, but the five days from Colorado are up. Nice. Um, last year, that, two years ago,
0: your YouTube channel, Redfish Blue Tail.
1: That's right. Yep. That's all it is. Yeah. Yep, that's it.
0: That's it. You got your hat. Got my
1: hat on. Go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got some merch too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you can't buy it anywhere because we don't advertise it. What?
0: <laughs> Need to get that going. Got to get go. it going. It's another another revenue stream, maybe. Yeah. There's not as much money in uh, like apparel and stuff as people think there is. You know. No.
1: No. I mean, these hats so. are fifteen bucks. I bought a thousand of them. They're fifteen bucks a pop. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, maybe a hundred. I don't know. Yeah. It was a lot.
3: <laughs> cool guys. I appreciate Thanks, it. Mark. This is Pack Talk Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.